0: Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I am your host, creatively stifled Rod, and I'm joined by...
1: I'm here with Janelle, Jess.
0: Yeah, uh, coming up with a name this week was difficult. It,
1: it was. We didn't think about it until we sat down right now.
0: Yeah, but we got them, and uh, they are apropos, I suppose. Um, hi, welcome to MediaMade. Uh, if you're new to the show, let me explain. Um, we cover movies, music, and TV here. Uh, and we do that year by year. So we are talking about music of 1997 today. So Jess and I have gone through a list of every music album released in the year 1997, and we've decided which one each of us have listened to the most in our lives.
1: That is correct.
0: Yep. And uh, we got an old, we got a couple old favorite friends of the show today. We're you know some re- we're revisiting some old favorites, some folks we've t- discussed before in both of our segments.
1: Favorites is such a strong word. <laughs>
0: They were both favorites in the past. Ah. Today, not so favorite. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 hard to gauge the quality of these two things here. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. We're here. I guess we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about my album of 1997 first. Uh, but, yep, let's get into it. So, my album, 1997. Released September 23rd, 1997. The Black Sheep release of this progressive metal group. Their stab at a more radio-friendly album. That is Falling Into Infinity by Dream Theater.
2: <laughs>
0: I feel like this intro is going on for infinity. We're just gonna <laughs> cut it off here. We're just gonna let it, let it go while we talk. Um, so yeah, that is Dream, we're, we're Dream Theater once again. Spoiler alert, they're my favorite band. We've discussed this Uh, That's why they keep showing up on the show. Yeah. They're my favorite. Okay. So, you know,
1: you're allowed your favorite.
0: Usually your favorite act ends up being the thing that invades your life the most. Right. So. Right. The purity of the show is we talk about the, the music albums that most invaded our lives. It just so happens that my favorite band made those albums for me.
1: You saying your favorite thing? I don't know if you said thing. You may have said act. Your favorite thing invades your life. And now I'm like, what is the thing that is my most favorite that's everywhere? And the answer is the color gray.
0: (laughs) Okay, but yep. So Dream Theater here once again. Um, If you want to hear our previous talks about Dream Theater, you can listen to our 1990, our 1989 music episode, our 1992 music episode, and our 1994 music episode.
1: He said they were his favorite kids.
0: Dream Theater. This is our first (laughs) four (laughs) P. First foursome, uh, <laughs> dream dream theater. Uh, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about it again. Um, and like I mentioned, this is them being pressured to make more radio friendly music. So that's gonna be a fun angle we can come at it because uh, we can decide did they s- succeed or fail at making something that's more radio friendly or commercial.
1: Do we listen to the radio in this household? I do. That's true. You do. I do not listen to the radio. Yeah.
0: Uh, spoiler alert. I don't think they succeeded in creating a radio-friendly album. They just diluted what they were already doing. Ah. It's like they're too lukewarm. It's like they're not commercial enough and they're no longer uh, Dream Theater.
1: So this album didn't <laughs> it, do you No, well? there's, there's <laughs>
0: Dream Theater in here, for sure. There's good stuff on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I think I speak for a lot of Dream Theater fans when I say this is among their weakest oh. efforts. Uh, there is good stuff. To find, for sure. Um, but there's also some stuff that I'm just like, uh, <laughs> It's either like, Just Okay, or I think there are two Dream Theater songs that I have just taken off my music collection altogether, because I just don't want to listen to it. I don't want to hear it in the car. Are
1: they both on this album?
0: One's on this album. <laughs> Anna Lee is the worst Dream Theater song. Oh. Anna Lee, it sucks.
1: <laughs> is it about Anna Lee?
0: Anna Lee. Yeah. It's a, it's a name, yeah. I don't know who that is.
1: Her name is Anna Lee. <laughs> Lee, it's, comma, Anna. And it's
0: funny because that's the, like, one of the first songs written exclusively by the singer James Labrie. You know, that's like his his breakout, you know? He's he's writing music. He's writing uh, lyrics for Dream Theater, and it sucks. <laughs> he does better later on. Sorry,
1: James. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I assume this is the first time you've heard this album for this show? Yes. Uh, for me, it was one of the last Dream Theater albums that I had collected when I first got into them, um, and I... It's fine. <laughs> I thought the same thing. It's at,
1: here on the show. Yeah, I was like,
0: there is stuff on this album that I enjoy, and then there's other stuff that I think is just okay. And then there's Anna Lee. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Anna Lee. All right, so let's talk about uh, where Dream Theater has, what they've been what they've been up to since 1994 when we last talked about them. Um, by the way, I was getting stressed out just putting these notes together. Why? Uh, because you'd think, oh, you know, three years ago. In three years, you know, there, not much has happened, right? No. <laughs>
1: Everything, was everything, in this everything moment.
0: happened. It was super stressful, and it made me stressed out.
1: Oh, <laughs> just,
0: just putting it in together. retrospect. So, uh, yeah, a lot happened, and we're gonna dispense it all right now. As we talked about in our 1994 music episode, Dream Theater keyboardist and chief lyricist Kevin Moore abruptly left the band before the release of their '94 album *Awake*, which we talked about. Right. Forcing the remaining members to frantically search for a replacement before their upcoming world tour.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Already stress. Already. I can see that the tendrils of stress
0: Uh, guitarist, John Petrucci and drummer Mike Portnoy came across the name of New York based keyboardist Jordan Rudess in Keyboard Magazine, where he was recognized as the, quote, best new talent in their reader poll. Rudess was subsequently invited to audition for the band. Okay, Dream Theater fans, they might recognize the name Jordan Rudess.
1: I recognize the name Jordan Rudess. I've met
0: Jordan Rudess. Ah, he was very nice. He was just walking around our downtown when they came to visit, uh, when they were on tour. They played a show in our town, and he just likes to walk up and down the downtown just to see the sights. And so he's just walking around, and it was, you know, very awkward when I talked to him.
1: Do you think he was singing Journey in his head? Just I don't while
0: know. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, yeah he, was, he was very nice. Rudis, a child prodigy on piano, had entered the Juilliard School of Music pre-college division for classical piano training at age nine.
1: Dang. Are we just going to continue having, like, Successful kids with children. Ta- talent? Good job, kid. Children, not kids. <laughs> oh, you are kids. Those How- are just children.
0: However, after growing more and more interested in progressive rock music as a teenager, he, against the counsel of his parents and his tutors, denounced classical music in favor of a career as a solo progressive rock keyboardist. All right. I respect that.
1: Chase your dreams. Right?
0: Like I think he was set up. He could have been like, like he would have been set for life, just doing classical piano gigs, you That's know, true. like working with orchestras or, you know, like getting hired by a cruise liner and just playing classical music on a cruise ship for the rest of his life, you know. Like he would have been set, but he's yeah. like, no, I want to write. I want to make progressive rock music. <laughs> Dude, do it. You found what you love to do. Uh, so Jordan Rudis had performed in a number of different projects and released his first solo record by 1994. Okay. So, yep. So he he, he just chugged along. Trying How to,
1: old was he at that point?
0: I think he. When did wa- he drop out of I, juilliard? He, I think he, he left classical music in juilliard in the 70s when he was a teenager. Ah. Yeah. Dude, got into yeah,
1: juilliard yeah, yeah. So the, as a teen.
0: Yeah, so he was out there for the next, like, you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years, just chugging along, trying to make it happen. All right. Dream Theater was blown away by Rudis' audition, with Portnoy later saying that he was, quote, the best keyboard player they'd ever seen.
1: He had trained for this. (laughs) He
0: was then invited to play a show with the band in September 94, where the band planned to debut their Awake album Live. Okay. That show was a success, and Rudis was invited to join the band permanently, but he declined
1: Oh. in
0: favor of a part-time gig with jazz rock band The Dixie Dregs.
1: Okay. Part-time rather than full-time? That's
0: what he said. He said, quote, I decided I would be better off going with The Dregs and being around my family as much as possible. So respect that.
1: Yeah. Good call.
0: So the band held another round of auditions and were impressed by keyboardist Derek Sherinian. Okay. Who had studied at the Berklee College of Music the year before Petrucci Portnoy and bassist John Mayung did.
1: So oh. They, right.
0: they all went to the same school. I'm right, sure right. that was a reason to like bring him in. Sherinian had previously played with Alice Cooper and Kiss. Okay. You, you've heard of those people? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he reportedly enjoyed similar music to the other members of Dream Theater.
1: Okay. So nice. he,
0: he fit right in. Sheridian uh, was offered the keyboardist position on a trial basis at the beginning of October 94, giving him just two weeks to learn two hours of highly complex music before the world tour began.
1: Two hours?
0: He had to learn two hours of music. They were running two hours, a two-hour show. Yeah.
1: In, o- in only two weeks? Yes.
0: He said of that experience, quote, It's one thing going in to play for an artist with hit songs that you've heard before, like since you were a kid. And the songs that are ingrained in your mind. It was another thing altogether going in with music you've never heard before that is totally off the charts as far as technical prowess. When I was in New York at the rehearsals, I would play the songs at night over and over on a loop so that I would be subliminally programmed. It would be ingrained in my head. So that's intense.
1: Yeah. Could he also just have the music up? Like music sheets? Because I feel like that would made it a, a little bit easier.
0: He might have, I don't know. But I'm just saying, Like I have no, a lot of respect for Yeah, Derek. absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. That's,
1: that's insane. I wouldn't do anything with two weeks' notice, except quit a job.
0: Uh, the U.S. leg of the Waking Up the World Tour began October 20th, 1984, and finished on December 9th. Uh, Sherinian was officially asked to join the band as a full member in February 1985. So, he is their new keyboard player.
1: Is he their current?
0: No. <laughs> we'll talk about that later.
1: Well, thanks, Sherinian. Your name sounds like you should be, like, a duke in a fantasy novel. He's a a cool guy. He's okay. You say everybody's cool from this band.
0: They're all pretty cool. (laughs) While the band was on a Christmas break at the end of 94, singer James Labrie vacationed in Cuba with his wife, where he suffered violent food poisoning. Uh, Upon his return home, an ears, nose, and throat specialist told him that he had ruptured his vocal cords while vomiting and advised him not to sing for six months to a year.
1: All of that sounds very painful and visceral. Right now, my stomach already hurts. I didn't... Ugh. LaBrie decided to perform anyway. That sounds like something someone in their 20s would do. <laughs>
0: Severely, like, I would say ruining his voice for a decade. Yeah, his voice... I, I mean, he's able to hit the notes he used to, but he's never been the same.
1: Hey, kids, I know sometimes doctors don't seem like they really care if you don't have the right doctor or if you're under kaiser and they don't seem like they have time for you but he's canadian he has free health care if you get i understand you just gotta you just gotta you just gotta you're chasing your dream no you just gotta you just gotta he could have lost his voice forever like he could have like ruptured it so badly that yes he would not have been able to correct
0: yeah that was a risk he took yes
1: your dreams are not more important okay well no (laughs) kids Right, so of the I exper- hope he at least talked about it with his family and his like, wife I and hope, thought through it. I hope it. so.
0: Of the experience, he said, quote, I was in total shock and devastated. We weren't in a position for me to take a six-month break, so I had to keep touring. I was ab- it was absolutely miserable, and it was an extremely dark and depressing period for me. Literally every effing night on the European leg, I, would- I wouldn't know if my voice would be there or if it would cooperate.
1: Was lip syncing not an option?
0: Not not for not for a rock band. I feel like they uh, there's too much pride in that, you know? Even today, like, people look down on that. Like, the Milli Vanilli thing was not too old, you know? Lip sync was not a good idea.
1: I mean, I get it. Like, I don't really like it when the artists and bands that I like lip sync. But there's a time and a place. Like, there's, there's a time and a place, right? Like, where you're just kind of like, hey, guys, do you like my music? Do you want me to be able to create more? Like, or even if they're doing acrobatics and calling it dancing. Like, there's some, it's just, like, I, if you can do it with that, without, like, with your vocals being stable, hey, man, man, you are in shape. You are fit. That's great. If you can't, dude, that's fine. Look at you flying through the air. Like, you know, I don't know. You made your choice, and I respect you for it, sir. I'm just sad because that sounds very painful.
0: Yes, After the conclusion of the tour in May 95, Dream Theater entered the studio to record a new EP titled A Change of Seasons, which included a collection of cover songs and the 23-minute title track. Uh, I spared you of that album in 1995,
1: by the way. And that is the reason that we are still together.
0: (laughs) That EP released in late 95, after which the band undertook a brief run of small concerts and then a short break. And the short break turned into a long break. (laughs) (laughs) Because voice was broken. Well, that and... Other stuff that I'll get into.
1: Oh, stress.
0: Around this time, a management shakeup had occurred at Dream Theater's record label, East West Records, and their parent label, Electro Records. As a result, for over a year, Dream Theater wrote songs without being given permission to record them, which I'm sure was f- horrible for a creative band like Dream Theater.
1: They couldn't even just go somewhere else to record them? No. Because they're under contract?
0: Yep. It's like, no, you don't, you, we're, we're not allowing you studio time. No.
1: <laughs> I hate that.
0: According to Portnoy, at one point, they began so they became so frustrated that they considered retirement.
1: I mean, not after I just destroyed my vocal cords like, for this, but well, I, I get I, it.
0: Yeah, like Portnoy said, like he personally just wanted to leave. Like He <laughs> wanted to just leave the music business altogether because he was so frustrated by the, the record label.
1: Yeah. Uh, business. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Now, one of those songs <laughs> that we're going to discuss.
0: A couple of them. Uh, in March 1997, the band was finally given the go-ahead to record a new album. Uh, by May, so two months later, the band had enough material for a double album. Oh, wow. They were ready. They had it all. <laughs> they were just like, let's go. Uh, but they were told to keep it to one disc for budget reasons.
1: Wait a minute.
0: Pressing CDs is expensive.
1: No, no, no. That My brain just went to the fact that you were saying this is their black sheet because they were told to make it more commercial after they were told they couldn't make anything, after mm-hmm. they were told they couldn't do all the things they wanted to do. Correct. Riot. Tear stuff up. I'm just saying, yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> this, this I wouldn't say this is the most angry Dream Theater album because you know there, there's another album where they purposely wanted to get back to their metal roots and be angry, mm. but this one I think was fueled by the most anger. <laughs> like the most frustrating crap happened. Yeah. To make this album, Ugh. the band also, as you said, the band also felt pressure from Elektra to write more concise, radio-friendly songs. Uh, the producer assigned to the project, Kevin Shirley reportedly made significant alterations and cuts to some songs.
1: Surely. No.
0: And noted hit maker Desmond Child was recruited to help the band develop a more mainstream sound.
1: Desmond. Do you know who
0: Desmond? Do you remember yeah. Desmond Child?
1: I do remember. He was the one with the slippery, sticky when wet. Slippery when wet. Slippery when wet.
0: Bon Jovi. So we talked about Bon Jovi's Slippery when wet in 1986. <clears throat> Uh, or 1986 music episode. And uh, Desmond Child was the guy that Bon Jovi recruited to help write radio-friendly songs. Yes. And uh, so he helped write uh, You Give Love a Bad Name mm-hmm. and Living on a Prayer. Yes. And wanted, of- wanted Dead or Alive. Like, he was the hit maker. Right. So the studio was, or the, the, the label was like, Dream Theater needs to write more radio-friendly songs. Get the guy in here to help them.
1: This is like ten years later too. He's still the hitmaker.
0: He's still the hitmaker. He's gonna he's gonna break it big with like um, he's I- gonna come in and make it big with live, live live in la vida loca. Who sings that? Is it Ricky Martin? Yes. <laughs> anyway, Desmond Child's still the guy. He's still the guy, and so the the. <laughs> I think that just goes to show, Elektra Records was like so desperate to make Dream Theater like a viable commercial success mm-hmm. that they they brought in Desmond Child, which yeah. is very funny. Spoiler alert: uh, the fans hated it. <laughs> uh, no,
1: you don't say. Actual
0: recording for the album began in June. Um, in contrast with the difficult writing and pre-production stages, though, the band considered the recording sessions trouble-free and enjoyable.
2: Oh, that's nice. That's nice.
0: The album, titled Falling Into Infinity, was completed July 30th. So, that's that. <laughs> Sounds like a horrible experience.
1: Yeah. I would
0: not want it to live through that. No. And that is what fueled the songs we're going to talk about today. Are you ready?
1: Let's hit it, DJ. All
0: right, so the first song we're going to talk about is actually the one that I started to play when we started talking about this album, and the intro was so long. <laughs> Uh we're gonna it's still pe- going in the background. Can you hear it? <laughs> no. We're gonna pick that song back up. It's called New Millennium. Nothing says more commercial and radio-friendly than beginning your album with an eight-minute song that has a two-minute intro in it. <laughs> I don't care. I love it. This is, like, honestly one of the best songs in this, this album. but uh,
1: Not what we would call radio-friendly. Not
0: at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like the, the intro there that you heard, like a little bit of like the guitar and stuff like that, um, I do think they were trying to make it a bit more accessible musically. Mm. I feel like that part of that intro just sounds like what you would hear on a at this time contemporary uh U2 album.
1: I don't really know what U2 sings. That's Sorry, fine. that's a long pause. Yeah, that's fine. Like, like
0: something something about it reminds me of like arena rock U2 type stuff on this album. Like mm-hmm. just the sound of it. The the general tone of a lot of the the songs and the the use of instruments just sounds like U2, which is rock, and was popular <laughs> at this time.
1: So, <laughs> so that's what like Desmond was trying to. I don't.
0: I don't know. I don't know if he was necessarily involved in the sound part of it, but like, mm-hmm. cause I he's more of like a songwriter, like lyric. That's fair. And chorus guy, like vocal melodies, right. but like something that just about the the musical style. So maybe that was the band trying their best to like meet the 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 label's demands, or maybe the producer. Was like telling them, well, maybe no, you know, play your instruments this way, like with this type of sound. Mm. Whatever it is. It just sounds like you two to me. But yeah, um, what do, you, what do you think about the lyrics? What do you make of New Millennium?
1: I make, I I think like stepping back and looking at it right now, it's about change, you know? it's I, Yes, yes. It's now, uh, oh, New Millennium. Obviously, it's about change, but I think it's about big change more than anything else.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which... I think is obviously a reflection of what they had been going through at the time. Like they had a lot of changes like with keyboardists, they had three for a while, you know, and um, then changes in their bodies because (laughs) puberty happens to everyone (laughs) um, with their voice, their voice stuff and then changes in the label and the representatives. And so I can see a lot of that (laughs) happening in this song or being filtered through the lyrics here.
0: I, uh, cause honestly, like, I, I didn't, I didn't apply the, the band's, you know, Discord at the time to the lyrics until after doing all my research, right? Mm -hmm. So when I first heard, when I first read the lyrics and listened to the song, like, I was more looking at it from the, just the new millennium angle because we talked about it, like, hey, the year 2000's coming up, you know? So I would imagine, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but just like looking forward to the big turnover, you know, from, the, the 1900s to the 2000s, right? It was a big deal for everybody. It was just mm. on everybody's mind. And I don't know. And, and it's just sort of like a New Year's resolution, right? That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking, but it's almost like a new millennium resolution, right. you know, was this song, right? Because it opens up with looking ahead, right? He sees something ahead. He's looking forward to it. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what it is. It's undefined, but he's looking forward to it, right? right and right. then as the chorus ramps up, it says, a sense of a new beginning. I sense a wind of change then going into the chorus out of the out with the old useless people so cold and ruthless welcome in a new millennium Right? So it's like, out with the old, in with the new.
1: Yeah. Like, and I'm welcoming it. <laughs> Calling them old and useless. So I was like, oh, okay, tell me how you really feel, though.
0: How many times must I live out this nightmare? I can't wait until a new millennium.
1: Yeah. They were they were jonesing for it.
0: Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Like, just applying it to it. It's just like, it doesn't necessarily have to deal with the band and the music. But, like, people at that time were just maybe... Discontent,
1: because there's uh,
0: that's another thing. Like you look at movies from the late '90s, there's a lot of like suburban angst mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and ennui. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, they were going through a horrible time in the band, but also, like, I think for a lot, I, something about like just the, the the culture of the time was mm-hmm. just like people were like just kind of listless, like, oh, you <laughs> what know. do we do? Yeah. yeah and that's... so, like, it, it's a it's very like lame now to think back. It's like, man, late '90s, you guys, you guys didn't have it as rough as you thought you did. <laughs>
1: We were between we were between wars, that was the problem, yeah, we were between wars, <laughs> that was
0: it, but anyway, yeah, people were just identifying the new millennium as a marker for change, and they were like, yeah, things will be different in the year two thousand.
1: I think the lyrics that stood out to me, there were a couple, um not so much, but um there were a couple that did that I like really liked the phrasing of who wrote this song. This song was written
0: by Mike Portnoy, okay. perhaps the angriest in the band. <laughs>
1: Um, towards the beginning, uh, it says, an overwhelming feeling leaves me numbed and strange. I, again, I read this last night. I was not tired. I was firing on all cylinders, right, honey? Nightwife. <laughs> I was a terror to you and myself. Um, but I read numb numb and because for some reason where my lyrics came from numb and is one word there's no space between numb and so i read it numbered because also i have dyslexia (laughs) and i'm wearing my glasses now um and so i read an overwhelming feeling leaves me numbered strange and i really like the the concept of that couplet just because it was just kind of like things are happening so much that your order is thrown off balance like I'm feeling numbered. Strange. Like, well, I mean
0: that too. Like, yeah. So I mean,
1: think still, of, it still works.
0: Think about the band. It's like yeah, we we the, the 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 label is trying to apply commercial like value to the band. It's Right. Like, you are numbered, sirs. Yeah. Like, makes sense.
1: So I, I yeah. So I kind of wish it did say numbered. Yeah. <laughs> but the the idea of that, even putting it, uh, yet yeah, putting it in the context of what the band was going through, but also putting it in context of like where the world was at this point. This like, feeling overwhelmed, like, I, how old was I in 97? Like, eight, nine, <laughs> and, like, the idea, okay, well, we're not going to talk about, it. I've said I was bullied too many times, I was friendless, but, like, the kind of thing where you, I can definitely remember being around that age, and those years, and, uh, years coming up, feeling, like, sometimes like a strange kind of hollowness yeah and not really knowing what that was about it's that on we yeah you know and and not having a a name for it like i definitely didn't know the word on we and even if i did right i'd be like okay but what is it what is it and it's overwhelming and you're just like i'm off yeah i don't even know what on is for me anymore yep and looking forward to anything, any kind of marker that's going to be like, all right, once we pass this, we're going to be able to do better. We're going to be yeah. able to reorganize. Yeah. And that's, I just really like that.
0: Yeah, because um, they I, – I think this song is – yeah, it, it, there's a lot of like angst and frustration expressed in the song. But also there's this sense of hopefulness that things will get better. Mm-hmm. Things will change. Right, right, right. right. Like there's still – an uh optimism in the song, right? Like the lyric goes, I've got a feeling the turd is the tide is turning now, baby. Funny feeling, everything's gonna be alright now.
3: I got this feeling. The tide is turning now, baby Funny feeling. Everything's gonna
2: be alright
3: now.
0: Right. Because, hey, it's the new millennium. Things are gonna be okay. Like, for us in our lives, it's a new millennium. Mm-hmm. Things are gonna get better.
1: Yeah. And I think it's like really interesting that that hopefulness that. You know you know that I don't prescribe to things like that, right? Like, when it's the New Year's, I don't make New Year's resolutions because they mean nothing to me. If I'm going to change something, I'm not going to wait for a date. I'm going to start now. Um, That doesn't mean I'm self-disciplined or anything, kids. Like, that doesn't mean I do it often. But if I've made a decision, like, right now I can keep saying, I really do need to work out. But I'm not going to. I know I haven't actually come to a decision, so I'm not going to do it until, like, something happens. Like, all right, it starts today. It doesn't start tomorrow. It starts, like, I'm doing groundwork right now. I'm doing this because I yeah. need to, and I need to come up with a schedule. Um, and so for me, like, that kind of marker, this is probably why I'm a huge pessimist mm. and a realist. This is probably why, like, I maybe you can't tell from this, kids, but, like, in this relationship rod is the optimist <laughs> he has to constantly pull me up towards like the positive things and i it's hard for me to say like it's just it's going to get better just when i get over that bridge just when i get across this this rough patch i i for me don't ever see like the new millennium is where things are going to get better so it's really interesting to see right like them in the lyrics right placing their hopes on this this far away hope that hasn't yeah. anything to stand on, but like they need it or else like they're going to collapse right now. But
0: I th- also, th- I think it is tangible because I think the, the attitude is we're going to, you know, just buckle down, work really hard and prove that we are right. Mm-hmm. It's like all of our hard work will pay off in the new millennium because people will know that we, you know, we prove them wrong. It's like, we're, we're going to prove the label wrong. We're going to prove the people wrong. It's like, no, we're, Going to succeed,
1: but you said this is one of their worst albums.
0: <laughs> oh, but hold on and wait a couple years. That's <laughs> fair. Succeed. They're they're
1: saying like, hey, this is what the uh, they want for us, and we're gonna do it now. But like when we're able to do our own stuff, it's gonna yep. be the success that we were always after. And they
0: did before the new millennium. Hey. um. So there's also a breakdown in the song. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I I I found the breakdown really interesting because it's Same. like I I really. I did, did because the, the, the vocals are very low. This is a very subdued breakdown. Um, but when you read the lyrics of this portion, it's actually quite interesting. We're going to listen to that for a second. So it like kind of repeats a bunch of similar phrases, right? Like living out a constant deja vu, keep your head up. Please be patient. We will get to you. Keep your head up. And it, it repeats that phrase. Keep your head up. Keep yeah. your head up. Keep your head up. And it's like, just have some faith. You can see it. Uh, but you're, you can see it through, but your faith don't pay the rent. That's over too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it's just, yeah, a bunch of similar phrases, all with the refrain, keep your head up.
1: Yeah. I like, I wrote that. Uh, I wrote, right, the keep your head up refame is something that we hear often as young, in quotes, professionals. <laughs> this kind of thing where you're just like, you just got to push through. Just keep your nose in the air. Keep your nose clean. All those like cliche things that people say, like, it'll be fine once you get to the other end. And it's that push through until you get there kind of vibe. You said it uh, earlier in. You said in an earlier music episode that Tupac had once said a thing, right? Like, sometimes you just have to break down the door. Yep. You know, and that's what it feels like. Like, you're trying to take... They're trying to take advice that's like supposedly good advice or supposedly like well-meaning advice uh and even just hearing living out a constant deja vu keep your head up like people telling you the same things over and over telling you to be patient telling them that they'll you will get to you you'll you just gotta like believe you gotta have faith like you gotta know that this is gonna happen and then it just kind of um derails devolves into just the negative thinking but that's kind of also right like but faith don't pay the rent that's overdue all that glitter is, is turning blue uh what they want for us from us what they want from me don't got a clue and this kind of like pushback of that pot overly po- almost toxic positivity um, especially cause it's not about being positive, you know, it's about kind of making somebody bide their time until you can get yours first Yep. because that's, that's what it really feels like. I really like the end of me this too. Reframe. It's so good. Yeah. Say it. Okay. Uh, it says swallow your pride, swallow pride before it swallows you. Keep your head up. Don't dare bite the hand that's starving you. Keep your head up. And how the, can, who's the,
0: who's the hand that's starving them by the way?
1: The company, right? It's the label. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was like, I was like, man, he's 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 not pulling punches. Like, he's mad. <laughs> I love, I love it. He's like, you want me to write radio-friendly songs? Well, I'm gonna write songs about how much I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Once you let me
1: record it, ooh. I mean, and
0: what's the end there?
1: Um, how can you keep your head and not go insane when the only light at the end of the tunnel is another train? So
0: good. It's so good. I was and like, that's check
1: po- marks all down. That's the page. poetry
0: right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How
3: can you keep your head? Not go insane. The only idea, The is a of, pain.
1: Can be told. <laughs> of the sick and tired. I think that this is the thing that, like, it's interesting because it starts off with the things that are so. Like, similar things that we can definitely relate to. Like, we all can hear these things. Like, people just giving us platitudes. But then the bottom bit being, yep, nope. This is how I feel when people are saying these things. Kind of, you know, like, why do Um, I have to be the one to shut up? Why do I have to be the one that's calm when you're clearly abusing me in some way? And being able to see, right, that there's a train at the end. So knowing that, like, I can get off these tracks uh, or... I can make it to the end, you know, making an exit strategy, a plan.
0: It's also just super realistic. Like there's a real, like not not realism as realistic, but like being a realist, right? It's like, there's just a sober understanding that, hey, yeah, I have to keep my head up. I keep saying it to myself, but it's also really, really difficult. Yeah. (laughs) Frustratingly difficult because I keep seeing like false hopes and I keep getting disappointed. Mm. (laughs) I keep crashing.
1: Right Ugh. yeah, <laughs> deep breath, because don't we all feel like kids?
0: I tell you what, I really appreciated the song a lot more after doing the research doing the research and hearing the like actually like really paying attention to the lyrics because I yeah. don't do that often, but like the song is musically really good, but i th- I really think there's a lot of really smart uh I don't know thoughts presented,
1: yeah, I prefer like this is why we when we first went through it, we like read the lyrics because I can't hear what they're saying, yeah and having being able to see it is a lot easier for me. Um, And for, yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. So um, I think that's all I have to say about New Millennium. You have anything you want to...
1: I just, the line, all that's glittering is turning blue. I think it's really... Because when I was going through the songs, I didn't do them in the order that we're doing them now. Blue is a color that's reused in a couple of these songs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which I could have looked up the you know, meaning of the color blue in like poetry. Yeah, I guess. I, I, would imagine sadness because that's that's fair, but I think, oh yeah, sorry. Think
0: about it. All that's glittering is turning blue, right? They dream theater had their greatest hit in 1992. Mm -hmm. Their biggest hit they'll ever have as far as the singles goes, their most commercially successful song released in 1992. Mm -hmm. And at the time they thought they were going to be big stars. Because like, wow, th- th- this success will have, it will never go away. Right. It's turned to blue. They're having the worst period of their entire careers right now.
1: <laughs> it's their blue period. I mean, I get that. I just think it's like glittering is usually that all that glitters is usually says isn't gold. Yeah. So glitter is, I, is referring to the color gold turning blue or gold the metal turning blue with rust with like, I was just like, what, what does that? <laughs> what yeah. does that? So I just thought it was interesting.
0: Capitalism.
1: Capitalism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to close out this discussion on this song uh, with a little highlight of the new keyboard player, Derek Sherinian, because uh, I, I think he doesn't get a lot of love. I, I don't think I, I. I don't think I res- um, give him enough respect. Um, he definitely, and it, it's kind of interesting. You. You don't really, I don't know if the layman really thinks of it this way, but I feel like musicians have their own signature sound, just like a vocalist would, right? Mm. Everyone, every vocalist has their own voice, right? And you can kind of hear the difference in people's voices. You can also kind of hear the difference in people's like guitar playing and keyboard playing. A lot of keyboardists have their own signature voice Mm. that you just don't hear. So um, I wanted to just play a little bit of a, like a little keyboard solo at the end of New Millennium, just to show like, this is what Derek Sherinian's keyboard voice is. Uh. simple but like I don't know there's something about the tone of the keyboards he's playing it has a very uh specific sound that you don't hear from Dream Theater's later keyboard player or their previous one this is this is his this is his voice nice so, yep yeah. also that that breakdown just totally sounds like you two <laughs> it's more you two to me um but yeah that is uh new millennium and uh next on we're gonna move on to a song called you not me Before um, we even get into like the lyrics, I wanted you—I wanted to ask you, what do you think of the general sound of this song?
1: It definitely sounds more commercial. Well,
0: what what about it uh, makes you feel that it's more commercial?
1: The vocal drag.
0: You you give a—I don't know. Can you articulate it?
1: Being around you is driving me crazy.
0: (laughs) It's just something about it. that makes it seem more. Watching
1: you run is making me lazy. Okay. It's like it's a drag, like you're dragging certain words. It's it's almost like
0: a fake rock star persona.
1: Mm, I don't know that, but it's something. It's like, okay.
0: So I remember a conversation we had when we first listened to this album together, probably two years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, You said to me when we heard this song, this sounds like Blink. Nickelback. You, it sounds like Nickelback. That's exactly what you told me, <laughs> and I've taken it like I've exor- absorbed it in. And I was like, "She's not wrong." <laughs> so let me play the freaking chorus because, again, this is this is the this was meant to be the lead single. This was the song that was gonna be like this is the commercial song. Mm-hmm. This was the radio song, um, and it just follows the generic rock single format to a T: verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Solo chorus. That's all right. I'm okay.
3: It happens every single day. It's not the same, but I'm not blind. It's all about you. Not me. It's
1: all about the things that you're going you to spend the day to me. It's enough time. Yeah. I stand by what I said
0: it does. it really does. It's really interesting when you say that and you're like, man, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually really funny because, like Nickelback and Creed aren't popular yet. Uh, uh, so uh, this is the segment of the show because you know, because i I tend to be more um rock and metal than Jess is in terms mm. of uh, music taste, right And also my music uh, for has been and will be very niche and. <laughs> uh, I don't know uh non mainstream right Dream theaters mm-hmm. just not mainstream, even though they were trying to be <laughs> uh so i want to take this moment to describe the state of rock and metal at the time Do in nineteen ninety seven so we talked about this in our ninety six music episode, but grunge is dead
1: <laughs> may it rest in peace rest in
0: rest in peace grunge um and so a little a, a little music genre that nobody liked came out of grunge and that was post grunge <laughs> <laughs> so I looked and did a little research on post grunge because I've never liked post grunge. Like, all did I much. like
1: post grunge? Yes, I liked post grunge. You
0: very much like post grunge. <laughs> Spoiler alert: We might be talking about it in a year or two.
1: <laughs> did I love post grunge?
0: So, I, I looked at because again, I, I I've never really liked a lot of post grunge music, mm. m- music, uh, music that like was labeled post grunge. So I I didn't know a lot of like the specifics on where it came from, like where that label came from, where. Uh, the how the, the genre grew, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently in the mid-90s, from like 93 to 96, a couple of bands started popping up that weren't from Seattle that were basically co-opting the grunge aesthetic mm. and like the general like grunge like sound, right? But taking out the abrasive tone, making lyrics that were much more literal <laughs> and blunt... And making songs that were more commercially viable right. in terms, of like act- directly working with record labels to Basically, I would describe it as grunge light, <laughs> diet grunge, <laughs> and so
1: the bear claw of grunge. So grunge like, fans, bear claw. What is that drink that your sister drinks? White claw. The white claw. The, the of white <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> the white claw of grunge, <laughs> and so. Grunge fans, and I think like media who respected grunge for being artistic and you know, uh, uh, artistically like pure, saw this new wave of a certain like basically grunge without the grunge, right? And they called it post grunge, and it was meant to be a pejorative. So, bands like Bush, Candlebox, and Collective Soul those were three big post grunge bands at the time. Mm-hmm. Post grunge was used to make fun of them. I, liked, I like one of those bands. The other two, I do not. <laughs> like I don't like Bush, and I don't like Candlebox.
1: Oh, so it must be that other one.
0: I, I, do, I do like a little bit of Collective Soul. Mm. But they are admittedly very, very radio-friendly. Nice. Um, and then, so we've passed that point, right? Those mm. bands, they've, they've come, they've been made fun of, and now they're just going to press on, right? Mm. So, but there's a new wave of post-grunge emerging in 1997 that will break into the mainstream very, very soon. Okay, so we have the Foo Fighters, which Dave Grohl of Nirvana, the the drummer, Mm -hmm. right? He added a lot of credibility to Foo Fighters because he was a legit grunge guy who then made a post grunge sounding band. Mm. But he's about to hit it big, you know, in the next year or two or whatever. Uh, Bands like Nickelback and Creed and Stained are all. Just starting their little baby careers, and they're all going to hit the mainstream in the next couple years. Bursting out of the
1: soil with their little flower bud heads. So
0: I think, this is just a theory, that Desmond Child was keyed in to that post-grunge sound because he knew that's the rock music that's going to be more radio-friendly, Okay, and he was trying to capture it.
1: So in a
0: lot of ways, You Not Me by Dream Theater is a proto-post-grunge radio mega-hit. But Dream Theater's not the band to test that out with. <laughs> Dream Theater's not going to play along. No. Creed and Nickelback—they'll play along. They'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll do whatever the label tells them to do.
1: Hey, you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. You that. haven't done the research. I know. I'm
0: just—I'm just—I'm <laughs> applying things. I don't know anything. I hope
1: once you do the research for the several Nickelback episodes that we're definitely going to have, that you have more of an appreciation for them.
0: We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So I just thought that was really interesting.
1: That is really interesting. Yeah.
0: So. You Not Me was the song that Desma Child was specifically brought on to help rework. Got, okay? it, got it. So, the song You Not Me was actually it started life as a song written by John Petrucci called You or Me. Okay. And it was extensively re- reworked to make it more commercially viable. Mm. Specifically the chorus, right?
1: Did they ever put You or Me out on a later album? Yes, the they did. They wanted and to. I have it.
0: So, you want to hear you want to hear a little bit of the chorus that used to, to be? Sure. That's about the same.
1: Find that I can't see the difference.
0: Can you see the difference between the two versions of the song?
1: Yes. <laughs> I,
0: I'm a, I, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like there's a lot more um genuineness yes. in that second version. Yeah. It's there's and honestly, it sounds grander. It sounds bigger. Mm. There's like a wall of sound I hear where I was like, that that sounds like a, a real rock song. Whereas You Not Me sounds fake. There's it's so weird, and I can't. I can't really describe it in words, but there's a fakeness to you not me.
1: You're a snob.
0: <laughs> I don't know, it just sounds like they were retrofitting something that didn't work.
1: Yeah, no, I I under I like hear you. It definitely they don't sound like they bought in <laughs> to you not me. Like you can definitely hear the difference in the uh vocal, the vocals and even some of the it's just like the an, yeah, in, the, energy. the energy is different. I totally yeah, get that. Yeah. Um, I think that version still sounds one like yeah, definitely more. It, it would have been
0: more commercial. Yeah. I'm honestly, yeah, like, it would I, have. I honestly think like even if like you not you or me, the original mm-hmm. version, um, sounds like a stab at making something more commercial, but it also sounds more genuine. Yeah, in that uh, effort. Yeah, right? it would
1: have been better on the album than this. this yeah, because
0: this sound that sounded like something that you would hear in the radio in 1997. Yeah. Um, it sounds almost it it does it still sounds like. A fading version of what grunge was, you know, but also an idea of what was to be with the post-grunge, yeah. uh, radio-friendly rock of the time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it, sound, it still sounds like something in between, but it's more dream theater. I don't know. Yeah, There's it straddles
1: more... the line better, but it's also more cognizant of what it, it wants to be. Yeah, it's just be. more
0: artistically pure. <laughs> she rolls her eyes. She rolled her talking, eyes hardcore at me.
1: If you keep talking about purity, I'm going to call you a uh, music Nazi.
0: So uh, lyric wise, uh, I have very little to say about the song. Me Me too. Lyrically, there was
1: only one line that, or like a couplet that I liked, and a single line that I liked because it followed the couplet, which was somewhere in the middle. um, You're building my prison brick by brick. Eating your words is making me sick. Which is the couplet that I really? I was just like, oh, I like that. Something about
0: being blind right after that. Right? Um,
1: you get what? No, you get what you want because nothing is sacred. And I was like, oh. I, re- I was like, oh, do I want to talk about that line? Because <laughs> that's a powerful line. And again, right? knowing, like, I know that this whole song isn't about uh, the company and the things they were no, going I through. Yeah. yeah, like not every song is. But this is one of those lines that I was just like, yeah, the company gets whatever they want because nothing is sacred. My time, what I've put into this, what I've given up for this. Um, what we've gone through to find people, you know, mm-hmm. how our fans feel. It's what you want and you're going to get it because you don't care what you have to destroy to right. get it. And I was just like, even outside of the company thing, just in general, I was watching a video earlier this morning about uh, emotional manipulation. And this, this is the line <laughs> that like, I feel like describes that perfectly. It,
0: it's funny. Cause I, I think the song is abstract enough as far as the lyrics go to be a, it could be about any disagreement yeah. ever. It's yeah. about two people and one guy accusing the other – one person accusing the other person of not being there for them, lying to them, um, manipulating them, whatever. It, deceit, greed, selfishness. There's, yeah. It's all there. It's and causing it's all... the
1: downfall of their relationship, and that doesn't need to be a romantic thing. Just right. a, the relationship, the connection between two
0: right. people. And you, I, I feel like that – I mean that's – Sometimes that's good lyric writing, where yeah. you can apply anything to it, and it makes sense. Yeah. So, like, on a raw emotional level, this song sounds like it came from a place of genuineness, yeah. you know?
1: Genuine upset
0: and hurt. Right. So, it, it, if it was driven by the frustrations the band was feeling at the time, I understand that.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't It doesn't have to. It doesn't feel like it's being, like, hookshod into that. Right. Hookshod? Rickshod? Shoved?
0: I mean, hookshot's from Zelda.
1: <laughs> Goodness.
0: Oh, but that's—I honestly—that's all I really have to say about you, not me. It's—it's not a horrible song, but it's also like I think it it sparks a lot of derision amongst the fans Mm. because it represents the band being forced to become more commercial when they clearly didn't want to be. It's like Dream Theater being made to be what they aren't, when that's like the total opposite of what Dream Theater has always been. Dream Theater is popular. Because they stuck to their guns and they made the music that they wanted to play and they built an audience that trusted them, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, our audience trusts us to be who we want to be. And they stuck by us, you know, because we don't bend right to uh, like the, the demands of the label or whatever, like, you know, and I think that's, this song is them when they were bending, you know, to the point of breaking.
1: Right. Right. Are they still under a label or do they produce themselves?
0: They were, they, they, I think they have a lot of freedom in the studio now, especially Mm -hmm. like two decades later, like they, they have a lot more freedom and they, I think they, as they moved from, cause they, they moved to Roadrunner at some point. I think there was Sony now, you know, so their newer, their, their newer labels have completely like given them the artistic freedom to do that. that they've been in the
1: game long. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: So that's you, not me. It's. I think it's a. It's an important song. It's not a very good song. All right. Next up on our list of songs is Peruvian Skies. Peruvian Skies is another song with a. Long intro. This song is interesting.
1: Is it based on a movie or a TV show or something? I
0: don't think so. I, it, it, there are a few like reports on what it's about, but I'm not completely sure. I, I do, you, do you want me to tell you or do you want to talk about what you think the song is about before I do that?
1: No, because honestly, the whole time I was reading the lyrics, I was just thinking about it a Nickelback song that it reminds me of.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> well, I better tell you then. Okay, so... This is unsourced. I don't know where this came from. I found no quotes to confirm this. But I read that Peruvian Skies is based on an article that guitarist John Petrucci read about an abused girl in Peru, which is where the title came from. Peruvian Skies. Got it. uh, The song does deal with some kind of abuse of a girl named Vanessa. Yes. There's a character named Vanessa that's mentioned. um, And it's very vague. Yeah. I, I don't quite like I've never been able to point my finger and say like this is what's happening in this song ever and there's not a lot of you know uh, there's not a lot to go on in terms of like really identifying what the song is about so I think it's it's up to us it's our mission.
1: I think the idea that Vanessa is a child changes my reading a little bit. It could not be a child, yeah, because I, I I think like it
0: it could be Vanessa could be a woman, could be a little I read girl. It,
1: I read it as a woman watching some of oth- some other child get beat. Oh, that's interesting. That that could be too. Yeah, because I think it begins there. There it is. I swear he's going to murder that poor kid. Wait, I hear it again. Don't turn on the lights until we hear the way it ends. Under Peruvian skies, Vanessa regretfully waits. The story unfolds in her eyes. Where's midnight hysteria? Where midnight hysteria is no big surprise. So it sounds like maybe she... Well, now, again, now I'm thinking like hiding in a closet, watching something. Like he's watching, she's watching... A kid get beat, and she's waiting. It says, "Wait, hear it again until you hear the way it ends." Mm. So she, w- she, Vanessa, regretfully waits. Yeah. So I was reading that as maybe a woman in a relationship with a child and not being able to or choosing not to protect that child from
0: that. That's totally valid. And yeah. I, I think th- I I can absolutely see that. Whereas I also have seen, and I I, I kind of. I also may have, like, interpreted the song this way, as be- Vanessa is the poor kid who's, mm-hmm. you know, getting abused, who, you know, is getting beat to the point of almost, you know, being killed, apparently, because, you know, it's going to murder that poor kid. Yeah. Right? Um,
1: so, like, that changes the reading for me, because when I was reading it, I was confused and a little upset because, like, the chorus... Uh, battered and bruised always confusing i'm gonna get to this line but always confusing the love that she's losing for hate poor vanessa poor poor vanessa
3: yes
1: Um, and because I wasn't reading it as she was the kid being, it was like Vanessa is sitting here playing the victim when a child is being beaten. Mm. So that's how I was just like, what is happening? I'm confused. Yeah. (laughs) Um, not that it doesn't happen in real life or anything like that, but I was confused because there's no like resolution to this kind of story. It's just, this is happening. The end. Like, yeah, yeah. It's
0: crazy. And like, so That line I also like marked down, always confusing the love that she's losing for hate. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is, what do you think that means?
1: Well, I wrote falling out of love does not equate hate. Right. So I think like another, another one of those things why I was like, I didn't think this was the person being beat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because I, I, I I think you're right. It was like those things where it's just like, I don't know. I'm not like if it was Vanessa, then that line becomes even more confusing. I guess it doesn't. Okay, so as Vanessa, as an adult, always confusing the love that she's losing for hate. She is losing love for someone and she's starting to feel like it's hatred. But it's but the lyrics are saying it's not hatred. You're just losing affection. You're, You're losing any emotion for them. You don't even feel hatred or The flip side, um, someone is losing love for her and she thinks it's hate. If That makes more sense um, if Vanessa is a child and she's thinking like, oh, this person beating me, (laughs) this man beating me, my father, my brother, my uncle, my grandpa, a stranger. um,
0: A bad boyfriend. Hates me. Yeah.
1: It's hate and it's not hate. They're just losing, you know, so it's it's a very confusing, it's a beautiful line, it's a very confusing line in context with this song. It is. Um, and so it made it really hard for me to, like, even, like, lower the next verse, um, hey, I hope you know, uh, I'm taking all of this with me when I go, shame, you're not to blame, I'm the monster you created in your daddy's name, and I said, what?
0: Yeah, I I also marked that line too because I feel like that second verse also like could possibly show the aftermath of abuse rather than the abuse itself, right? Because abuse, like it, it'll scar somebody, right? Like mm-hmm. from a child to adulthood, those those scars remain, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like so if someone is abused as a child, that will they will carry that uh, trauma with them into adulthood, and it will inform relationships they may have later on right right you hear about that it's like psychologically they it just manifests itself in 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 ways when they're an adult right so when I read I'm the monster you created in your daddy's name I could imagine like you know somebody like let's say someone's in a relationship with someone who like an abuse survivor Mm -hmm. right and that person is maybe 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 it's a breakup maybe not even perpetuating maybe it's a breakup and it's like hey I want to, you know, like I, this isn't working our relationship, you know,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: for whatever reason. Right. But the abuse survivor is interpreting it as, oh, you're, you're a monster. You're just like my, you know, dad who used to beat me or you're just like whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no. And he, so the song is, om- is saying, I'm the monster you created in your daddy's name, Ming. you're applying your past trauma to me.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think that, like, that that is a very – true. that can be a very true reading. Um, I also think, right, like, it doesn't matter when you're abused, right? I could be – I'm 30 right now. If you start abusing me, that's going to be trauma that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. Oh, right? sure. And vice versa if I start abusing you. I think that, like <sighs> – what leads up to this line? Hey, kids, I, did you know that this episode was going to go this yeah, way? Yeah, it was
0: like, that was a tonal shift, didn't it? We
1: just, <laughs> we, we jumped right in. You choose this song. Um, yeah, because the the lyrics leading up to that, hey, it sounds like the person is leaving, right? But like like what you're saying, like all of that stuff feeds into what you're saying. Just like, I'm leaving the situation. I'm taking all of this with me. I don't have a choice, right? But then it's shame you're not to blame, I'm the monster you created in your da- in your daddy's name, and it, it's like that's such an interesting like you know. It could, mm.
0: it could also be like one partner, the one the one like you you said earlier, like let's say a mom witnessing the abuse of their child by an abusive father, right? And the abuse is also deferred from like the child sees the abuse through their dad and their mom now, right? It's like they look at their mom and they see, you know, so it's the mom also saying it's like, you're not to blame. Like, it's not your fault, kid, right? Mm -hmm. But also the kid feels like, oh, you know, it's mom's fault too. She let it happen or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's difficult. It is. It's like, it's like the, it's the, it does feel that specific line, the, the one we're talking about, uh, I'm the monster you created in your daddy's name specifically sounds like a cycle, right? The cycle that you can't break or or that you don't break, right? Like abuse, uh, but it's not, it's not that you, yeah. Right. Like I am not like the person saying you didn't abuse me because you wanted to abuse me. You abused me because your dad created that in you. True. You know, Yeah, yeah, um, or your mom, but it says specifically dad. <laughs> and because it says specifically dad, we're going to go with that. And, right. But it's, again, almost like – see, because oh, – here, oh, here's the thing. Because if I read Vanessa as a, wo- a, a woman who's watching this, right, then the abuse is not abusing. The abuse is allowing it. Yeah. You know, the abuse is taking a back seat and just – waiting to protect yourself, you know, and ugh, there's a lot. There was only one other thing in this, like this, ugh, the song proven skies. What?
0: <laughs> it's, it's an enigma for it, sure. It is. That's why I wanted to talk about it because I feel like there's so much. It, it wants to say something, but I never under quite put my finger on what it's trying to say. So I figured it would be interesting for you and me to try and figure it out together.
1: I think more or less it is about a person called Vanessa. Um it could be a woman, it could be a child, right? Like yeah. cuz I could also very easily see Vanessa being another child, right? right? Like watching this and hiding so it oh, doesn't yeah. happen to her, That's right? Especially cuz one of the last lines is terror by night, liar by day, telling her secrets won't make them won't take them away. And I put, what is the stanza saying? But after like talking through it with you and like hearing where it may, may not have been inspired from, it feels like if this is a little girl watching abuse and trying to like protect herself from it, she has that terror by night because it happens at night, right? There's a refrain said where midnight hysteria is no big surprise. Like it's not a surprise that this is happening every night. Liar by day lying about the bruises, lying about where this other kid is. Like, where's your brother? Like, oh, he's sick at home. He's fine, yeah, you know. He fell down the stairs. And then telling her secrets won't take them away, right? Like, um, I don't know about Peru, but I do know in the US that sometimes, even if you tell cps if you tell protective services about abuse that is happening to you if it cannot be proven you cannot be taken from your situation Mm. and um or if your family is higher standing in the community and nobody wants to believe it you will not be taken from your situation and even if you tell people that doesn't stop it from happening. That doesn't stop the fact that it did happen. You don't get to just say, I said this out loud and it no longer bothers me. It's no longer a part of me. It's always going to be there, right? And this song is sad.
0: This song is very sad. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, sorry about that downer, everybody. You
1: did this to us.
0: But before we move on to the next song, just to clean, cleanse our palate a little bit, let's have some audio fun. Okay. Because, okay, so, so when people ask me to describe Dream Theater to them. I typically say, take Pink Floyd, Metallica, and Rush, put them in a blender, blend it together, and you get Dream Theater. (laughs) So um, this song, I would describe, like lyrics aside, just musically, right? (laughs) This is a Pink Floyd song mixed with a Metallica song. And there's a hard shift right in the middle where that happens, okay? Okay. Dream Theater must've thought the same thing because they use this song in live concert, to, as an excuse to play Pink Floyd and Metallica music, <laughs> they high they they basically pay tribute to their influences through mm. Peruvian Skies. And I, I always thought that was the most interesting part of Peruvian Skies. Other than I have no idea what the lyrics were saying for the longest time.
1: We're gonna pay tribute while singing about abuse, right? Yeah, so
0: that's a little okay. Boys. it's a little weird, but they do it anyway. Sounds so, like
1: theater kids to me. <laughs> so I'm gonna
0: play a uh, first. I'm gonna play a clip from the actual song from the album, right? This is Mm -hmm. the original. This is what I would consider the Pink Floyd break. It sounds like Pink Floyd, but it's not Pink Floyd, but bear with me. Mm -hmm. musically with the guitar and the keyboards and and just kind of like the very quiet uh bit there that sounds like pink floyd it sounds like a pink floyd break what you would hear in dark side of the moon or something yeah right right um so
1: i agree without knowing actually
0: (laughs) now um i have i'm gonna play that same segment from that song from a couple of different live albums that dream theaters released the first is from 1998's once in a lifetime Uh, And that is that same portion of the song played from that concert. That is a musical portion from the song "Have a Cigar" by Pink Floyd. They just snuck it in there. (laughs) Yeah, just like just like yeah. Normally, where the song kind of sounds like Pink Floyd, let's just put a legit Pink Floyd point right in there. Just let's just cover "Have a Cigar" for a quick second. (laughs) That's what they're doing. All right, all right. So the next clip I have is from 2005's. uh, It was a bootleg release that they put put out. You know, Mm -hmm. it was uh, from their performance in Santiago, Chile.
1: Ah. And they prefer Peruvian skies.
0: In Chile, yeah. So it's the, again, same portion of the song, and this is what it sounded like. That is the opening to the song Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. (laughs) I'm telling you, they're just they're just hiding references to their their influences in this song.
1: They're like, if we have to play stuff from this era, we're gonna play the things we actually. We're gonna have some
0: fun. And it's it's so interesting that they've done it more they've done it more than once and always with different Pink Floyd songs. (laughs) It's like two different Pink Floyd songs fit right in. Very, 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 very interesting. So um, other than that, um, another, like I mentioned earlier, another Dream Theater uh, influence is Metallica.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm going to play another point of Peruvian Skies, the original from the album, um, and what I call the Metallica break. <laughs> okay. And now this sounds like Metallica, but it's not. But it also goes to show the tonal shift halfway through this song. Because mm-hmm. the song goes from... Very slow, as you've heard when we played all the lyrics and stuff like that. The song just picks up and starts, um, you know, basically just becomes a hard rock metal song. Okay, and this is the that that an a, a portion of that segment of the song.
3: Okay. Yeah!
0: Right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a Metallica-esque riff. Yes. Just just the riff of the song. That's metal for you, you know? Built on a riff. It just goes. So that's from the Peruvian Sky Originals. I'm going to play that same portion from both the Once in a Lifetime concert and the Santiago performance. So from the Once in a Lifetime version, we get this. that riff
1: crazy train
0: no (laughs) that's that's enter sandman by metallica ah yeah so they just plugged in at the the riff to enter sandman uh right right in there (laughs) in the metallica portion
1: and it it went with ease.
0: and uh from the santiago performance at the same portion they do this That is the riff to the Metallica song "Wherever I May Roam." Mm-hmm. Um, I also I want to mention I love South American metal fans; they're the best. <laughs> like everyone in that crowd, they heard that riff, and what we know exactly what that is, and we're going to start <laughs> chanting along to it. They're like <laughs> chanting with it,
1: the lyrics that go there. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, and, and just mm. like they, they know that's Metallica, so they all freak out. Uh, so they're just having fun. Nice,
1: yeah, enjoying so, their time at the concert.
0: It is interesting that they chose Peruvian Skies to do that, but yeah. that is what they do. All right, they play. Pink Floyd and Metallica music during that song.
1: Can I just say something? I know that we, we may want to get out of there. Kids, you may also want to be done with the song because it was kind of a big Danner But while listening to that, I had um, a thought, an epiphany, if you will. But I don't think you can call it an epiphany if it's not correct. Um, <clears throat> the battered and bruised part. I feel like this is all like maybe Vanessa reminiscing about the past abuse that she had. Which is, Could be. Which is why... Like, battered and bruised, always confusing the love that she's losing for hate. Poor Vanessa. Like, she can't get in a good relationship. Yeah. Because, like, when they start start being unable to deal with or effectively help her to manage her coping mechanism, they start pulling away. And it's not that they hate her. They're just, you know, like, the love is going away, but she can only, like... She can only behave as the monster that was created in her daddy's name. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that's, you know, that's what I
0: was talking about. Okay. Like, it could be about the aftermath of abuse, where it's okay, like this this woman growing up with abuse and carrying that baggage with her. So him.
1: the ho- I didn't understand that you were saying the whole song is that it could be. Yeah, okay, so that that that's that I agree wholeheartedly. I think yeah. that that's probably we- what it is.
0: We've cracked the code.
1: Yeah, but also, mm.
0: all right, next song. Uh, it's not going to get any happier. <laughs> So, the next song, last song we're going to talk about from this album is called Just Let Me Breathe. Just Let Me Breathe was another song written by Mike Portnoy, the drummer. Uh, he was the guy who just wrote New Millennium, if you remember. Right. Uh, what are your take on What are your takes on this song?
1: Just as angry, if not more so. More
0: so. More so. <laughs> Very much more so. This is the angriest. Honestly, it might be the angriest Dream Theater song up to this point, I think. Yeah. This uh, is the art. first
1: one I read for this project. So I was like, okay.
0: Yeah, he's upset. Okay. He, he a little upset.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's he, what, what's he upset about? The company.
0: <laughs> oh, the record label, for oh, the sure. the record label. Yeah. Yeah, he, Absolutely. This is a hate song, as we say. Uh, Mike Portnoy said in interviews, he's not very good at writing love songs, but he's very good at writing hate songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. I guess it's the bridge and then the chorus, or maybe the whole thing's the chorus. The first bridge, I was like confused as to what was happening, and um, no, the first whole chorus, I was like really confused as to what was happening, and then the second verse, I was like, "Yeah, he- um, excuse me, is are you okay?" And then when I read the chorus again, I was like, "Got it. Now everything makes sense." He's a yeah, because that second verse, I. I, the note that I made, I'm not even going to read the lyric yet. I said, is this making out the act of suicide and death to be a gimmick to ensure legacy? Because of how it's written, not knowing what, what was it, what it was. The lyric, uh, a daily dose of MTV, we'll get there, uh, will flush your mind right down the drain. Shannon Hoon and Kurt Cobain, make yourself a household name. And I was like, are you saying that's a commodity? Is that what you're saying? That's, wait, that's not okay. But it's still it's not, not okay. okay. It's not okay. And Mike
0: Portnoy agrees with you. It's yes, not okay. It's not
1: okay. And what I didn't understand about the, first, the the chorus when it first went up is that it's talking about companies, right? Because I was very confused. It says, the big machine takes care of you until you kill yourself.
0: And then the sales go through the roof, calculated, formulated. And I was like, "Oof."
1: Yeah. I like highlighted that before. I was like, what big machine? What are you talking about? It's gonna kill yourself because I just re-listened to our um last our last month's music episode with Arian. So my brain was thinking computerized. So I was like, what is this machine doing?
0: Oh no! Uh, it's much more real. It's much much more raw.
1: More horrifying and true. Not a, it is an actual actuality.
0: Yeah. The the, so, the big machine being the music industry.
1: Yeah, and so. It made sense and it made me sad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is like clear. Like I I chose this one for last because I feel like it's the most, um, definitely the the biggest downer. Honestly, like we'll get there. But also like just like the most visceral and true to life as far as this band goes. This is a very personal song to Mike Portnoy because I, I, I described everything they went through just to make this album happen and all the frustrations he personally went through. Uh, it was feeling at the time. So for him to write this scathing venomous song about the music industry tells a lot, you know, I was like, and so he's airing his grievances, not just about the, how the, the, the music, how the, the record labels like treated him and the band. Mm -hmm. I think he's also just condemning the music industry and all record labels in general. Right. Like what they do to young artists like him. So that second verse, you read it already, but a daily dose of MTV, which is in the lyrics. Do you, does it say yeah. M- MTV for you? Like the, the the abbreviations music television? No. So when you hear the song uh, normally, it sounds like he's saying MTV, like the, the, t- the TV channel. It's spelled empty, like the word empty with a V at the end. Yeah. With MTV all capitalized. So it's. It's sort of like he's he's poking fun at MTV as well, calling right. it empty V. Right, right. Because that's at the time that's what I think record labels were like seeking was like, well, we want songs that you can play on the radio and MTV. Right. And you can sell a lot of records. Yeah. You know, so you need to be marketable. Mm-hmm. You need to be MTV able. Right. <laughs> but for Mike Portnoy it's like that is a soulless horrible like machine right. that i have to be a part of you know it's like i don't want to participate in that which i totally agree with it i totally get it mm-hmm. i was like i feel him on that you right. know? it's like this very sterile calculated uh by the numbers approach to making music which is like soulless um and then <laughs> and then he he pulls no punches he goes he 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 goes for the the low blows as goes far as the, the music is he goes for the throat A Daily Dose of MTV will flush your mind right down the drain. Shannon Hoon and Kurt Cobain, make yourself a household name, which is what you were questioning, right? Yeah. Kurt Cobain, if you don't know, he was the lead singer of Nirvana. Uh, In 1994, he died by suicide at the age of 27. Uh, Shannon Hoon was the lead singer of Blind Melon. In 1995, he died of a cocaine overdose at the age of 28. Neither man made it to 30. So this stanza in particular, I think, is saying like, the music industry does not care about its creatives. Yeah. The record label, they don't care about their musicians. They don't care about their singers. Uh, They are commodities, like you said. And yes, he is saying that, and he hates that that's the case.
2: Like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he is
1: disgusted
0: disgusted (laughs) by the fact that the music industry takes in these young creative men, chews them up and spits them out. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Yeah. Horrible.
1: I think like, you can still, you can see it in all the other verses, right? Like, the done with itness, you know. He woke up and he chose violence. It just <clears throat> strike up your best angst-ridden ridden pose, manfa- manufactured anger. Let's not forget my legacy. All my heroes have failed me. Now they're dead and buried.
3: Strike up your-
0: And, he, and, like, I would assume that, like, Mike Portnoy was looking up to, you know, people like Kurt Cobain and I'm Shannon sure. Hoon who mm-hmm. had made it big in this time when they were trying to do the same thing, you know. They all came up together, I assume, you know. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know each other personally, but it's like.
1: Yeah, they were contemporaries. They were, yeah, they were
0: all contemporaries. But even Mike Portnoy's heroes, right, like, mm-hmm. all died, a lot of them died young, yeah you know. I'm thinking, like, uh, like Jimi Hendrix died young, mm-hmm. uh you know, Keith Moon of The Who and. A lot of the Pink Floyd, or like Sid Barrett of Pink Floyd died young and, right. and went mad and uh, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That it's. <sighs> it's, it's a real bummer.
1: <laughs> it is. And I think there's so much um, in here that you can just, you can absolutely see a young man that's just fed up with it, you know, yeah. and not afraid to call it out, but also feeling like calling it out. Won't do much. Like in the track list of the actual album, where does this fall in um, reference to New Millennium?
0: Uh, new Millennium came first. That is the opening track. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is track.
1: It's I,
0: this, I, this is track nine of 11, so yeah. it's, it's not the penultimate track, but the one right before that.
1: Yeah, and I just like, because a new millennium, right? Like, swallow your pride before it swallows you. Don't dare bite the hand that's starving you. And then we come out here, and we're like, the big machine will take care of you until you kill yourself. Hey, bide your time. Just keep your head up. Um, have faith, and you can see it at the end. Hey, manufacture your anger. Anger. Let's not forget, and it says my legacy, but it means the legacy of the company, because all my heroes have failed to save me, failed to set an example before. Right? I'm not saying right that like you failed because you committed suicide, but like saying that like, oh man, when I was coming up, I was seeing these people and I wanted to be just like them, but I was able to see they were just human as well. You know, like that they were heroes, not superheroes, and now they're all dead and buried. And in this kind of this. This rage that feels kind of impotent because as much as even the last song is like, you know, we're not supposed to shake the boat, it's saying, I'm going to, like, because not shaking the boat has led to this. Yep. Um, and even the f- refrain that changes at the end, at the end of the chorus, that's feed my head with simple thoughts and let me and let me breathe instead of being taught all bottled up and tearing at the scenes. Just let me breathe. There's another line there. I wanna discuss it because it confuses me. Just let me breathe. He's like, he's drowning. Yeah. You know, like even saying, right, like feed my head with simple thoughts. Like, just don't give me a lot to think about because I just need to breathe. Like, let me be able to do that instead of being taught what is the way to be a musician. What is the way to write my album? What is the way to sound? Stop
0: micromanaging me.
1: Yeah. You know, like stop. And there's a line in there that says, I'm bored, which I don't (laughs) understand why it's there. But it could just be because you're no longer – Doing the art that you want to. It's just like, hey, you have the ability and talent to do things that I can't, but I can make money off of you. So just do it this way. Yeah. you Yeah. Know? It's and like, like I'm
0: bored creatively. I'm stifled.
1: And I just want to yeah. breathe, you know. Uh, and it cha- and that changes at the end I'm jumping unless you wanted to say something it. else It changes at something and I just put like disgust, Discuss here because I wanted like to, The change of it, feed my mind with some Real thoughts and let me think instead of being Taught, I'll say things you won't Believe, just stand back and let me be Let me breathe I Breathe by she's
3: breathing.
1: Um, in this kind of like, take your hands off the, you know, yo, this is our fifth, fourth album. (laughs) Yep. Um, we have this. We've
0: been doing this for almost 10 years.
1: We can continue to do this without your interference. Yes. Stop. Yes. Right. Let me write my songs. Actually, I've written enough for a double album. Let, let us do this. Uh, and if you do, you won't believe like how far we will fly. And that proves to be true, right? Like it does. This is not their best album. But they do better and better and they get better and better uh, because they're allowed to perform as artists they are. I say it as not a yitza jam. I'm not a fan. No offense, guys. You guys do good. This is just not the music for me. But even I can tell, right? Like even just playing that one snippet of you or me and hearing it as opposed to you, not, not me. me, you can tell, right? Like one has the company's hands on it. One does not. And it is... Different,
0: yeah, it's noticeable. Yeah, do you remember when we talked about images and words in 1992? Um, Dream Theater wrote a song called "Take the Time," and it was a response to the indecision—not indecision, but um, uncertainty of the period where they were looking for a new singer. Yeah, Papa he he left the yeah. band, and they were trying to find a new singer, and they were having their they were having issues with the label even back then, and there was a lot. They wrote a song about. What I called the "hurry up and wait" song.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he was
0: just like, we're being told though, just hold off, just wait, just wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Just keep, you know. But but we also were told to like, no, you got to get together, we got to hurry up, we got to find a new singer. So that that time was very uh, tumultuous for the band, right? Mm -hmm. I would consider "Just Let Me Breathe" a sequel, a spiritual sequel to "Take the Time" for images and words. I could see that. Um, Not even in its lyrical content, because Mike Portnoy takes a lyric that he wrote for "Take the Time." and flips it on its head. So way back then in 92, he wrote the lyric, just close your eyes. You can find all you need in your mind. And that's from the song, Take the Time, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was him reminding himself, hey, just take a breath. Just relax. You know, remember, like, close your eyes. You'll find all your creative juices. You'll be able to just, you know, uh, figure it out, right? Meditate, Mm -hmm. take it easy. We'll get through this, right? That was that optimism that you kind of heard in New Millennium that was fading.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: In Just Let Me Breathe, he takes the same lyric but switches it up. It says, just close your mind. You can find all you need with your eyes, which I think is a jab at the music industry because
2: mm-hmm.
0: the, the, stu- the, the studios, the, the, the label, they want him to write blunt, easy to understand, easy to listen to music, like mm-hmm. superficial music. Right. And yeah, just shut your mind off. Don't do anything creative. Just listen to us. Do what we say. Write a commercial album, and you'll see all you need with your eyes. You'll have a tangible product in your hand. If you're, here's some money. You know, <laughs> like. So he hates it. He hates the commercial superficiality of the music yeah. industry. And it's like, he went from like, I j- just need a breath and just take it easy. Everything will be okay. Or, you know. We'll just, we'll f- now it's like, I'm being told to just shut my mind off and not like care and just like, yeah, just just. Create marketable music for a cynical fan base. Right. And it'll be fine. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting back. So good. You really see the journey of this young man.
1: You do. It's an angry, angry journey. Angry journey. Every step is taken in anger.
0: Is that all you got to say? I do. I think, I think I'm think i with you. You know, it's just like, man, I'm worn out. <laughs> just talking about this stuff. Yeah. So uh, just to play us out of Just Let Me Breathe, you know, just a little bit of just some musical uh, palate cleansing. (laughs) I'm going to play a little bit more of some keyboard by Derek Sherinian himself. Just to, to let us, you know, you know, lead us into the next segment of the of our discussion here. Okay. going for it (laughs) he's really going for it but that's why i like derek Shirinian. he's a great keyboard player and uh that's probably gonna be our last excuse to hear from him
2: oh no (laughs) on media made
0: (laughs) get into that in a little bit (laughs) all right so that is i think our small taste of dream theaters falling into infinity overall thoughts
1: i wouldn't listen to it again because it was depressing it's too much (laughs) four of the nine songs
0: for the 11 layer 11 songs yeah um they're not all of them are that downer, but there's there's like a very common like frustration you can hear throughout the whole thing. There really is. I believe you. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't recommend it as a first time listen for dream theater like and, and a lot of dream theater fans like don't don't look at this one fondly. Mm-hmm. I think there's some you know hidden gems. Things to revisit and like, there's there is good stuff on the album, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of their weaker ones.
1: Are any of these songs? These songs are on your phone. Or yeah, 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 your yeah.
0: The only one that like is horrible, and you should never listen to is "Analee." Got it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's there is good stuff on here. But has this
1: given you a new appreciation for it? Yes. Yeah. Yes,
0: it has. Like lyrically, yeah, I, I think I just never appreciated it on that level before. So yeah. I am thankful to have done that.
1: Hey, I'm glad that I uh, was a catalyst for that.
0: So, what did the world think of falling into infinity? Uh, falling into Infinity debuted at number 52 on the Billboard 200. It was considered by the record label a commercial failure.
1: Uh, so
0: even when they were forced to make the most commercial album they could, it wasn't enough.
1: It wasn't commercial.
0: Yeah. So I think th- there there might have been some like vindication on Dream Theater's part for that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we did what you told us to do and it didn't work. <laughs> Let us make our own music from now on. And that's kind of what would happen, to be yeah. honest. So it's sort of like a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, responses to Falling Into Infinity have been mixed. It's it's like I mentioned, it's quite a polarizing album amongst the fan base. Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of people just hate it for what it represents. But then other people hold it up. It's like, no, there's good stuff on here. We need- right. I- I'm, I'm like in the middle, you know.
1: How's the band feel about it?
0: I have I have quotes about that in a second. Nice. So AllMusic called the album a quote disappointment, saying, quote, This brazen attempt to woo a more mainstream audience has resulted in the band's weakest effort since their debut. Mm. While Music Waves said, quote, Despite its commercial label that sticks to its skin, Falling to an Infinity is an excellent album and once again presents Dream Theater in a new light. More rock, more open, more accessible. So there's mm. there's praise and there's hate. <laughs> one or the other.
1: You're going to always get both when you put your stuff out there.
0: The album was even polarizing among Dream Theater itself. Mike Portnoy, the angry one, (laughs) was not satisfied with it, saying that if Elektra Records, Kevin Shirley and Desmond Child were not involved, he would have made a, quote, completely different record. Mm. Uh, While John Petrucci has said in recent years that, quote, the label didn't have an influence on the album. We wrote the kind of album we wanted to write. Mm. I tend to agree one man over the other on that <laughs> one. I think, I think John's just trying to be nice. He's Don't, a nice man. He seems like a pretty nice guy, yeah. so
1: uh, Belief. Well,
0: Don't, you know, just, you could see all you can with your eyes. What is that, what's that lyric?
1: <laughs> Close your mind and see what you can with your eyes. Yeah,
0: you know, that's what it is. Let the album speak for itself, I suppose. Mm. So for the legacy of Falling Into Infinity, I have one note. In 2007, Dream Theater released Falling Into Infinity demos, 1996 to 1997, through their independent Yitze Jam Records label. So by that time, they had their own like, bootleg independent label that they would release stuff on. Um, and this bootleg release reflected the album's original song arrangements and track listing. So if you want to hear what Falling Into Infinity probably would have sounded like without all the interference, that's what it was. <laughs> It's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's, it's definitely, it's rough around the edges because it's not a like, you know, fully produced album, but, uh, yeah, it's a taste of what could have been. That's where we got that you or me.
1: Oh, okay. 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 That makes sense.
0: And where did Dream Theater go from here? Well, they set out on the touring into infinity world tour from 1997 to 1998, um, yielding a live album and a home video release. A few members of Dream Theater also used the years in between album releases to participate in side projects.
1: Yes, they did. We'll see more of that next year.
0: (laughs) Spoiler alert. And in 1999, once keyboardist Jordan Rudess became available full-time, Derek Sherinian was let go of Dream Theater.
1: Oh, Derek.
0: But those are stories for a different day.
1: Oh, no. My Derek. He's (laughs) fired.
0: Actually, here's what Derek Sherinian did from here. I have it anyway.
1: Yes, give it.
0: So Derek Sherinian has stayed very, very, very busy over the years. He has released eight solo albums, founded rock bands like Planet X and Black Country Communion, and played with big-name acts like Ingve Malmsteen and Whitesnake. All right. Sherinian reunited with Dream Theater for a one-off concert in 2004, uh, which was recorded and later released as When Dream and Day Reunite. We talked about that because Papa Nici also appeared on that show.
1: Right. We did talk about that.
0: There was a big old reunion number where they all played together. Papa Nietzsche was there singing. Sherinian was on keyboards. It was a whole big hullabaloo.
1: Hullabaloo. And and what about um, our keyboardist that left?
0: Kevin Moore? No. no oh. he, he did not participate.
1: That makes sense.
0: Sherinian also participated in supergroups featuring Dream Theater alumni, such as Platypus with John Myung and PSMS and Sons of Apollo with Mike Portnoy. Cool. So they've... They've been like sticking together, you know, Sherinian, I think they never really thought of him as like, there was no bad blood in Mm -hmm. letting him go. He just wasn't the right fit for Dream Theater. They wanted Jordan Rudess because he was like virtuoso. Right. But they've stuck by him and they do projects together. So
1: nice. It's, it's important (laughs) to not break up the band.
0: (laughs) Derek Sherinian has been called the quote, King of the Keys by Guitar World Magazine and the "Quote Caligula of keyboards" by Alice Cooper.
1: That's that's a that's a nickname choice. That's a, I'm gonna name my next Pokemon Caligula.
0: In 2020, he was voted number one keyboardist in Japan's Burn magazine, and he's like consistently voted like within the top ten best keyboardists in the world. So nice. He's doing well for himself. Yeah, he is. Good job, Derek.
1: Excellent job, Derek.
0: Uh, that is Dream Theater. That's all we got for now. We're gonna we're gonna get the heck out of here. Uh, go to break. Okay. Um, so I spared you. Uh, there are actually two epics on this album, both over 10 minutes long. I spared you from both of them. Th- say thank you.
1: 감사합니다. <laughs> uh,
0: but we are going to close out with the end of the song Trial of Tears. Not, not Trail of Tears.
1: It's a very different thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I just, I just like the way that song ends. It's, it's like the epic from the album. It's like 13 minutes long. But the end is very nice, so we're gonna close out with that, and we'll be back after the break with Justice's album of 1997.
1: But first, food! And Amazon just dropped off my Pokemon Ranger game, so we're gonna do that. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!
4: Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. El sueño se hizo realidad. Dream Theater en Lima, 22 de marzo, explanada del Monumental. Entradas a la venta en tu entrada. 15% de descuento con tarjetas Interbank hasta el
5: 23 de febrero.
4: Los mejores músicos del planeta en una sola banda Dream Theater en Lima Miami South Beach bringing the heat Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? it out here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the bass and the sun set low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, the rest to spill.
0: Welcome to Miami
1: Is that where we are?
0: It is Since Oh dear <laughs> That is something I'm sure everyone's heard
1: Nope, never heard it, never, ever, ever, ever heard it before What is it? Explain it to me right now
0: it's your album of
1: 1997,
0: <laughs> and uh, oh boy, are we in for something? I'm, I, I feel like I'm safe in saying we're gonna make some people mad in this segment. I was never
1: mad making. You it guys was were made to feel. You. Ba-
0: you were made to feel bad in segment one, and now you're made to feel mad <laughs> in segment two.
1: If anyone feels bad, direct it to that side of the table.
0: You you don't like this album as much as Shh. I don't. <laughs> It's like the first segment we talked about like an album that tried to be commercial and failed. This is an album that was like uh, excessively commercial and succeeded. That's true. Uh, Neither were particularly like good as far as quality goes. In whose opinion? Uh, Mine. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Uh, So what is that album? Released November 25th, 1997, the debut solo album of this famed rapper-turned-actor-turned-Hollywood-superstar. That is Big Willie Style by Will Smith.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mia Pitts, and I'm standing in front of the historic Man's Chinese Theater, where thousands, literally thousands of fans, journalists, and well-wishers have gathered merely to catch a glimpse of the artist formerly known as Fresh Prince. This album premiere marks Will Smith's return to the world of rap. The long-awaited album entitled Big Willie Style has broken sale records everywhere from Bangkok to Madagascar as we all anxiously await the arrival of the man himself.
0: Uh, That's the intro to Big Willie Style. Uh, Colin is shot, saying it's going to be a big, big hit. It's going to be a Big Willie hit. It's gonna be a big. It's gonna be a big hitty. It's gonna sell uh, from from Bangkok to Madagascar. Oh dear. Uh, he wasn't too far off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot of cockiness with this release. He he knew he knew he was gonna sell it to the masses. <laughs> oh, big Willie, <laughs> big Willard.
1: Oh, such a big star.
0: Friend of the show, Willard.
1: <laughs> He's is back he, again. Is he a friend of? Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> Fresh yeah. Prince.
0: That's right. Also. The artist formerly known as Fresh Prince is totally a knock on Prince. Yes. Because Prince was the artist formerly known as Prince at this time.
1: Yes. Did he say that in a lyric? Did I miss Just that? now,
0: she goes, the artist formerly known as Fresh Prince. Oh.
1: Uh, well, I don't think it was a knock. I think it was to be a an illusion, homage. An illusion. Illusion.
0: Was, no, no. I think actually Prince got his name back in ninety six, so. Um, so tell us why is Big
1: Willie style your album? <sighs> Why, indeed. You know why it is? Because I have a cousin. I have two cousins. I have more than two cousins. But specifically, I'm going to talk about a a single cousin who had a love affair with Will Smith. Old Willard. Um, but not like in, in the literal sense, because she's like a child. Well, she's not a child anymore. But when she was deeply in love with Will Smith, she was a child. And... Um, my life was permeated <laughs> there is no much like our much like when we had to watch spaceballs this is not my album because Will Smith is a favored artist of mine it is my album because I spend a lot of time with family <laughs> so that's the reason that's the reason I spent way too many too much time with my cousins it I makes- will say, eventually, like, because you know this cousin now, she does not seem like the Will Smith kind of she person. Kinda, she kind of does. She does? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Pretty soon after that, I kind of introduced her to, like, soft rock and post-grunge. And then from there, she went into hard rock, old rock, all the other stuff. But Will Smith will always be... The freshest prince of her heart.
0: That that cousin did consult on this episode. Helped us decide what songs we're going to talk about. Yeah, on Big Willie style. Uh,
1: can, do you want me to read that text?
0: No, no, it's okay. We'll
1: get there. Okay, it was just that. It's- yeah,
0: no. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. We we will we'll share some of her thoughts on some of the songs we talk about. Like we opened with Miami. Does she have something to say about Miami? Because she did mention she it. she
1: did. So. We're not going to talk about all the songs that she uh, suggested. But they all will be represented. Yeah. I did want to just get her uh, idea. She said, girl, you chose a great album. Four musts off the album. We didn't do all four. But we will represent all four. (laughs) Miami. Miami. Another classic. That's all she says. Okay,
0: it. well, we started with another classic. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> Honestly, before we even decided what four we were going to do, I knew I was going to open the segment with Miami. Yeah. It's just like...
1: And Miami's number two on her list. It's pretty high up. All right, all right.
0: Mm. Uh, um, th- can you remember the first time you heard any of Big Willie style?
1: It was probably from a CD sitting in her messy, very clean room.
0: <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of, like... I honestly like the only song from this album I would have heard as a kid would have been Men in Black because of the movie. Had you you haven't seen the movie? I haven't, but I remember that song. Sometimes they pl- they used to play Will, Will Smith on Radio Disney. They play Wild Wild West on that makes Radio sense. Disney. He was
1: still a, a fresh prince, and yeah. Disney is all about prince and princesses. Is mostly family friendly, like yeah, yeah, yeah mostly yeah. Um, he hasn't done any unfamily-friendly things at this point. Yeah, bad boys hasn't been a thing. It has actually, but well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and then, like I remember, um, I first heard getting jiggy with it on, on, in a Flash cartoon, a Banjo Kazooie Flash cartoon. Oh my gosh! <laughs> because in Banjo Kazooie, you collect jiggies, jigsaw puzzles.
1: Ah, jigsaw puzzle.
0: So I can't not hear Getting Jiggy With It and think of Banjo-Kazooie. But that's about it, honestly. That's weird. This is not an album that...
1: Can you find that Flash invade- cartoon?
0: I, if I can, <laughs> I will share it on Twitter.
1: What about Share It With Wife?
0: I will share it with Wife nice. as well. <laughs> I don't know if you want to watch it. I think it was long. Oh, yeah. Never long. mind.
1: Never mind. <laughs> like that Funky Kong thing. You like do lots of long Flash videos. Game things flash
0: flash flash cartoons were a, a very you know uh, common staple in my life when I was in middle school and high school watched a lot of flash as as young children did in the early to mid2000s that's true but um yeah so let's jump in to big Willie style <laughs> it's a horrible name such a horrible name for an album
1: I mean it was a time of big wills.
0: Free willie style. We were free willing. We were big willing. So, uh, yep, let's do it. Okay. So, as we talked about in our 1990 TV episode, rapper Willard Smith put his music career on hold to star in the hit show, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That was the subject of our 1990 TV episode. That was Jess's TV show from that year. What, uh, was it? It was. It was good. Ah. That, that pilot was very good.
1: It was very good.
0: Uh, The Fresh Prince came to an end after, I believe, six seasons in May
1: 1996. Aww.
0: (laughs) In an effort to become the, quote, biggest movie star in the world, Smith made a quick jump to the big screen, starring in films like 1993's Six Degrees of Separation, 1995's Bad Boys, and 1996's Independence Day, with the latter becoming the second highest grossing film in history at the time.
1: That makes sense. There was a, I don't think I ever saw Independence Day. I don't like apocalypse. movies. I haven't
0: seen like I had ju- the first time I saw it was just a few years ago. Honestly, I remember it being it. Remember, I remember it existing. It was a big thing. <laughs> it was referenced everywhere.
1: That's true. One of those uh, quotes that are often misquoted. It was like legit.
0: Like the next year, Star Fox would just take its climax and make a level out of it, <laughs> like low key, uh, musically. Smith did continue creating music with his longtime collaborator DJ Jazzy Jeff during this period. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince released their final two albums, 1991's Home Base and 1993's Code Red. Were
1: they really good? I don't know. <laughs> what was the hit? Well, Well, apparently
0: they, they were good because they even won a Grammy for the single Summertime.
1: Summer, summer, summertime. I don't know that. You don't know that song? I might
0: have heard it. I don't know. I can't think of it now.
1: You're not allowed into Mickey Mix Black Mickey House Club.
0: What are you saying?
1: That's what I said earlier when we were testing the mics. Around
0: 1996, Smith was cast in a little science fiction action comedy Wait, let me guess
1: what it's called. Men in Black.
0: It's Men in Black. (laughs) Another
1: movie I've never seen. Why have we not had a Will Smith movie night? Just kidding. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You said it. I don't want to do that. going on the list. No, take it off the
0: list. Oh uh, Yeah, like, I, 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 I've i seen bits and pieces of Men in Black. Like, mm-hmm. it was in the zeitgeist. I definitely remember it. I, I watched some of the cartoon that used to air on Kids WB. Right. Um, I remember the song. Did I you play the, the
1: video game, the computer game, Men in Black?
0: No. Good, I remember the pug. Bad. Remember the shrimp aliens? <laughs> That's about it. Michael Jackson was in one of them, I think.
1: Sort of, but not really.
0: <laughs> Smith contributed a track to the Men in Black soundtrack, which we'll talk about later. Um, a track that would later be included in his first solo record under his real name, Divorced from the Fresh Prince persona.
1: You mentioned divorce. and I was like, why are we bringing that up? <laughs> oh, well,
0: he divorced many people during his <laughs> career. No, this <period>. stop that! <laughs> he even divorced from himself. Recording for this new record took place between 1996 and 1997, taking place mainly in New York City with producers Poke and Tone, also known as the Trackmasters. All right, and Les, who had produced uh, for Nas and LL Cool J,
1: ah,
0: some tracks were even recorded at DJ Jazzy Jeff's A Touch of Jazz Studios in Smith's hometown of
1: West Philadelphia.
0: Born and raised.
1: Hey, a... I'm doing real good on this Will Smith quiz.
0: That's all I got, honestly. There weren't a lot of like even interviews or anything about like the production of Big Willie Style. It, mm. seemed, uh, it seems like it was a uh, Will wanted to get back in the studio. And he did that.
1: Do <laughs> you think he did it between like movie shoots and auditions? I think so. I, like
0: I, it sounds to me, based on like I'm just putting the dots together. It sounds like he went in the studio to record a song for Men in Black, right? Because he was already in the movie, and he got the itch to continue recording. Like he, that makes you know, sense. He caught the bug again. You know, he's like, oh, I want to I want to release an album.
1: That makes sense. And like that. That feels like uh, it's been a while since I've edited a video, and then I had to edit a video for some reason, and now I'm like. I want to go back to <laughs> banking videos. Yeah. I Yeah. Get it.
0: Creative people. That's how it works.
1: It's just like, oh, I took a break because I had to do other stuff and I was tired of it. But then you're like, oh, no, actually, I really enjoy this. Why haven't I done it in a while? And he probably needed an outlet because of all the stuff that was happening in his personal life.
0: Hey, he's happily married at this point in time.
1: Yes. True. But that just meant he had a lot of stuff in the bank to write. Oh, does that mean we should be expecting a Will Smith album soon?
0: Maybe. <laughs>
1: oh, no. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Anyway, um, so that's, that's all I got. Let's let's jump into the album. So I played a little bit of it, of it earlier, but uh, this, like a lot of rap, rap records of the time, features an intro, like, you know, a little skit. Mm-hmm. And in fact... Like a bunch of rap records of the time, there are a series of skits played throughout the entire album. Like in between the songs, there's always little skits, right? Yeah. Big Big Willie Style features four interludes featuring exchanges between Will Smith and others around him. Mm -hmm. And a fictional character named Keith Be Real, a magazine editor and motivational tape artist. Oh my gosh. Let's hear a little bit of Keith Be Real.
5: Look, I'm Keith B. Real from Keep It Real Radio and founding editor of Keep It Real magazine and motivational tapes. We practice what we preach here, brother, and that is keeping it real. Now, uh, real... Let me ask you something. Do you think that you make quote-unquote real rap music? Because I ain't never seen the woo dancing when they're no singing Alien. Keep it real. <laughs> Well, yeah, brother, you know, I like to have a good time, mm-hmm. you know, and have fun with the music that mm-hmm. I make. You don't let people have fun. Mm-hmm. Fun in times like these. Anyway, keep it real. Uh, another question, if I can move on. Will, uh, you've saved the world two years in a row now. Do you feel that you have some sort of supervolistic complex? <laughs>
4: I'm sorry, brother.
5: Supervolist. Yeah, uh, yes. You know, look it up. Look it up. I ain't got time. I'm keeping it real, brother. I mean, do you feel that you're supervolist than everybody else? No, uh, wait. Hold on, hold on. Um, yeah, Charlie,
4: Charlie, look. Uh, why don't you uh, escort Mr. Real inside? Show him to a, a real
1: nice table. Okay, is that the VIP? B- easy, easy. I just hey, got to take the cleaners, care, man.
5: This is crushed,
1: It's a lot there. Kids, just in case you didn't know, that uh, voice of Keith be Real is, in fact, Morgan Freeman. It's not. That is actually Jamie Foxx. Excuse me, are you calling me a liar in front yeah. of the kids? Yes, I am. <laughs> <would the> t- <laughs> 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 I'm going to give myself some more Martinellis. This
0: is definitely a little little Jamie Foxx playing Keith Be Real, um, and you're going to hear a lot of that. It, I. It sounds to me like he's just ad-libbing. You know, they gave him some notes like, hey, talk about this. And it's just like... Jamie just went off, <laughs> did his thing.
1: I mean, sounds like it.
0: And that's the story. Keith Be Real, be Real hasn't been invited into the record release party at <laughs> Man's Chinese Theater, and he's just going to interview people that he runs into.
1: That's and he's going to be he's
0: going to be uh, passive aggressively rude to uh, Will Smith,
1: much like reporters can be, not all are. So, um, at, throughout
0: our show here, I'm going to use Keith Be Real to help introduce some of the tracks we talk about. So. In that last clip, he mentioned Will Smith saving the world twice, two years in a row, uh, referencing what movies?
1: Independence Day? And? Men in Black?
0: Correct. Yes. And so <laughs> <laughs> that introduces our first song of the evening, Men in Black. aha
1: uh-huh. You know what? What? Honestly, so this is number four on the list of thing of must haves from my cousin. And she said, although there are a few great songs I would like to bring up from this album, Men in Black is probably his biggest hit and almost everyone can sing it. So this is an absolute must if we're talking about Big Willie style and we're sitting here like we have feelings about the song, but we are bopping our heads regardless. It's, it's not bad. Like, I'm
0: like, it, it, I'm like, this is, this is probably what Will Smith is best at is writing corny songs about the <laughs> movies he, he's in. Right. And it's like, Will Smith, it can't be a very good actor. He's been in very, he's been in films where he like, he just brings it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking like, like pursuit of happiness Stuff like that. Muhammad right? Ali.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Where he like really brings it. He doesn't need to write corny songs for those. Gemini. A Gemini man could have used a rap. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying.
1: Just saying.
0: <laughs> it could have been like old Will Smith now meeting a young fresh prince and having a rap about it.
1: <laughs> he, yeah, he could have had him and one of his sons on the track or did that for After Earth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So I'm like, I I love that That that's a Will Smith thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you have you you cast him in a movie if it's like a light popcorn type movie, you get a rap out of it. That's yeah. his thing. It's totally fine. It's fun. But like, this song is so goofy. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's so goofy lyrically. Lyrically, uh, before we get into lyrics, um, uh, musically, mm-hmm. I must mention that Men in Black contains a sample of the Patrice Russian song Forget Me Nots, which I've never heard before.
2: Send me forget me.
0: And I, I, I want to bring that up because we had a conversation when we were, like, listening through the songs to kind of, like, hammer down what we wanted to talk about. And I mentioned that, like, Will Smith, I think, samples songs in a very, like, inelegant way. Mm. I feel like some some rappers, some rap groups, they will sample music in a more subtle way. Right. It's not, like, just take the song almost verbatim, you mm-hmm. know, and just rap over it. So... For, I would assume, a lot of people, including me, when we, even if we were to hear Forget-Me-Nots on the radio, we would think,
5: man in black.
0: (laughs) Same with Wild Wild West. That was a um, Stevie Wonder song, right? Right. I heard the Wild Wild West song first. So (laughs) even when I hear the Stevie Wonder song on the radio, I think,
1: wild wild west.
0: (laughs) That's not how that goes. (laughs) It's it's something like that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It I, I
0: think that I don't know. Like I'm like I don't I don't know if I'd like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what you were saying. You're saying like it's a shame. <laughs> it's it's a real shame because it's
0: like for some young people, it's like they've been like deprogrammed <laughs> or they've been programmed to only hear Will Smith's version.
1: And I don't know that I agree with that. So, I think sort of
0: like hearing a a weird out parody before the real song.
1: I definitely heard the Anakin song before. Actually, I don't think I've ever heard the real versions of anything except, like, bad.
0: <laughs> You've never driven the Chevy to the levee?
1: But the levee was dry. Is that an actual song? Yes, it is. I thought that was the song for Anakin.
0: No, he's Vader someday later, but now he's just a small fry.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's okay. similar. So, yeah, I hear you. I, I And I think, like, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't feel like it's a shame because I think it's... I think it's interesting because you're able to... Because we do that all the time to some effect, right? Like, we'll keep the melody of something and say words completely different, right? It's true. Um, It's just memeing it. (laughs) And I I hear you, right? Like, there's some people who have never heard the original songs and whatnot. But I would venture to say those same people wouldn't seek out those songs, right? Like, because I definitely heard the uh, Men in Black song first, but as me being my parents daughter i was also immediately shown the forget-me-nots and, and um different things like that and i think that like it just kind of de- it just kind of depends right like um i don't know i'm not tied to any one version like if the original comes on like i hear that and i'm singing that right like i think it just yeah like i don't i personally just don't think it's a shame i think it is a good way to make music to also introduce and honor the things that you were brought up on right to be like yo, that's that's that beat that always got me going like hey can i sample can i have you on this track like oh my gosh i get to work with a legend so i don't know i hear you i hear what you're saying but for me it's just like i don't know that i would use the word shame right i think i would be like Dig a little deeper if you think something's interesting. Or like, cause there's songs that I'll be like, oh, I love this. And somebody's like, you know, that's not that like they're taking from a different song. And I'll be like, Oh, I didn't know that. Let me hear the original. And either I really also like the original, but I like them as two separate pieces, or I'm like, they improved on the original. And that's a personal thought. You know,
0: this is not exclusive to Will Smith. Yeah. You know, it's like
1: absolutely not.
0: Tons like I'm sure way more people heard California Love by Tupac before they heard West Coast Pop Lock. Absolutely. Whereas I heard West Coast Pop Lock first. (laughs) I don't even know what a West Coast Pop Lock is. It's like some old, like, it's like a disco R&B type song.
1: And they sing California. No, they say
0: California knows how to party. That's not a Tupac thing. He sampled it.
1: We've said a lot of California songs today. Yeah. In Miami. Welcome to Malibu. No, it's it's horrible. didn't work. (laughs) What? No, it does. Welcome to Malibu. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to
0: San Diego. Oh, gosh. Um, And also, just a shout out here, singer Coco of... Welcome to Glendora. That one fits better. That's better. Singer Coco of SWV sings the chorus and background vocals of Men in Black. So Mm. it's not the lady from Forget Me Nots. Right. Just some other singer. Coco. Thanks, Coco. Thanks, Coco. Is Is that... it's not um,
1: cocoa. Iced tea's cocoa. Why would you mix iced tea and cocoa? It's it, iced tea and lemonade. Lemonade by NCT One Two Seven.
0: It's it's not iced tea cocoa. So I just looked it up. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thanks, Coco. Uh, so lyrically, uh, this song, it's about a movie, called Men in Black.
1: Yep, that's what it is.
0: <laughs> the good guys dress in black. Remember that, the black suits with the black Ray Bans on. <laughs>
4: guys dress in black, remember that, just in case we have a face to face and make contact. The title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw you did not see. So don't blink, big what was dead is now gone. Black suit with the black gray bands on, walk in shadow, move in silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. But yo, we ain't on no government list, we straight don't exist, no names and no fingerprints. Saw something strange, watch your back, cause you never quite know where the MIBs is at. uh
1: Nana,
0: they're describing the Men in Black. They are. (laughs) It's so. I'm like, what am I supposed to be looking at here? I kind of wish they were wearing blue.
1: Like it'd be so far off. Like Men in Black, but you're not wearing black. (laughs) That feels like something that would happen now. (laughs) Honestly, I, I kids, if you've listened to the song and actually listened to the lyrics, not just the very catchy. Men in Black. Yeah, it's just talking through. It's just talking through what it is to be a man in black. It's not even really super talking through the plot of the movie as much as it is just talking through what it is to be employed by this govern- right, right.
0: <laughs> government's um, body. Well, I guess for the sake of context, can you describe what what the men in black are like in the movie? Uh, the people? Yeah, like what is the organization? What is they the- are
1: men and women <laughs> whom work for a secret... Government facility.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're like they're like the G Men, you know, your Area Fifty One types, right?
1: Yes, and um, they work with aliens, <laughs> extraterrestrials. That's it. That's that's what they do. They uh, they prevent the bads from sticking around, and they give visas to the good ones, so
0: that they can like pretend to be human and work in society,
1: right? Mm-hmm. They work with ambassadors from different galaxies. They're this, like is, this the, is just in the first we're talking about the first movie we're not gonna yeah, add any yeah. Canon from any other movies or cartoons
0: they're sort of like the uh, the the witness protection program for aliens though right and then they they're like the FBI where they enforce you know r- extraterrestrial laws right or something no oh, okay no.
1: you haven't seen the movie I haven't
0: I'm guessing I'm just gonna be, <laughs> I, I'm basing all of my information here on uh, on the song on the, the lyrics here
1: they are like the FBI enforcing rule uh, law yeah because they govern the body that we are at so they're because csi is the other csi C-
0: C- cia cia
1: is outside so like i guess our a- astronauts would be cia <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but we don't have all that they don't they don't do that they don't do men in aerodynamic suits <laughs> um they are like fbi and they handle whatever is within well, I guess America, I'm sure there are places all over the world. It's been a while since I've watched well, it, there, but there, they there don't. There is
0: a Men in Black International. Yes. We know this based on a bad movie that was released.
1: We we are not talking about any other movies. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, they don't necessarily, it's not like witness protection or something like that. If they happen to have like people, they like, do you know what's going on. Like, hey, where you like, you're fleeing from this world? Why? I guess we can give you a sanctuary here or take that. Get it gone. You know? So, but it's not necessarily like, we're hiding you from da-da-da-da. Like, you gotta have all your documentation.
0: They walk in shadow, move in silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. But yo, they ain't on a government list. They're not. So they're like super top secret. They're like... Yes. They're they're like the deepest of the deep state.
1: Yes. Just like me. (laughs) I am also that thing that you said.
0: They straight don't exist, no nine, no names and no fingerprints. Yep. Cuz something strange, watch your back cuz you never quite know where the MIB's at.
1: That feels uh, like a threat. Eh. That feels like a threat. Are they behind me? Honestly, for the song I didn't have a lot to say about the lyrics. I only highlighted two things, and both of them were like that's horrifying. Which I you have to know at least this part about it, right? Like, there's only one line. It's uh, it, it repeats it a bit, but the it it's at the end of the court. Here comes the men in black, galaxy defenders. Here comes the galaxy men in black. Galaxy defenders. They won't let you remember. They won't let you remember.
0: That that is an inversion of the original line, which is to help you remember. Yes. I have a note. That's a note there. Ah. Yeah, they did that. Why? Oh, you mean like for the movie's sake? Well, yeah, like it's a reference to the movie.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so in the in the movie, uh, we should have watched the movie for this. I should have made you watch the movie for this. In the movie, they've got little clicker, click clicks that are like neuralizers. Yes, clicker, click clicks Mm -hmm. that you stare in. They say, "Watch the light," and it goes epilepsy, and (laughs) it flashes very brightly. And then they feed you a story, and your brain keeps it.
0: So they it basically like if there are members of the public and they witness an extraterrestrial uh, happening, they obliviate you. Yeah. The, the men in black will come down and like clean up the mess. And then when they're they're done, they'll walk over to all the pedestrians, you know, the, the civilians who saw what was happening and they make them forget with this little neuralizer.
1: Yeah. And like watching in the movie and getting like understanding why they obliviate you. Yeah. The lyric. They won't let you remember is very harrowing <laughs> i don't like it i'm like that the- feels scary and there's like one other line later that also like makes me feel like i don't like it it's i know we might seem imposing but trust me if you ever if we ever show up in your section believe me it's for your own protection
4: All right, check it let me tell you this in closing I know we might seem imposing, but trust me, if we ever show in your section, believe me, it's for your own protection. Because we see things that you need not see, and we be places that you need not be. So go with your life, forget the Roswell crap, show love to the black suit, because that's the men in, that's the men in.
1: But like, um... but I don't like I don't like that. We're imposing, but if we're here, it's for your protection and we won't let you remember. I don't like it. I don't like it. Men in black. We're Stay your, out of my section.
0: We're your first, last, and only line of defense against the worst scum of the universe.
1: That literally sounds like a gang. That literally sounds like what like m- some mafias uh, do in TV, where they go into a place and they're like, hey, pay us to protect you from bad stuff happening. And you're like, no, that's okay. And then they throw your shop around and like, man, don't you wish you had paid for protection? Like, that's what it feels like. I don't like it. It's a bad lyric. It's scary. More juice.
0: Well, to bring it back to, you know, like, situating it here in 1997, the 90s were full of, like, weird government conspiracies and, you know, black, you know, the black project and black helicopters and Area 51 and because uh, you, you had shows like The X Files, mm-hmm. you had weird, like, you know, late night uh, radio shows who had like I, I UFO sightings right, and conspiracy right, right. theories. Um, and then, obviously, like, I feel like Men in Black fit right in with that pop culture idea of G Men uh, hiding things from people. You mm-hmm. know, the government is uh, hiding top secrets, and you know, this is the highest level of government. No one knows about it, not even the president knows. <laughs> I I was like, I I think that's fun. And I feel like the song, you know, brings some of those elements to life.
1: Mm, Yeah, I agree. I like, I I do agree with that. There's just some scary lines. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Well, if we have nothing else to say about Men in Black, I will say uh, this song, as your cousin pointed out, uh, was a huge hit. Huge. Huge hit. It topped the charts in Australia, Belgium, France, Germany, Hungary, Ireland, New Zealand, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. Was it a hit in Bangkok and Madagascar? I don't know, but it could have been.
1: <laughs> it possibly was.
0: Shall we move on? Yeah. So, um, the the next song uh, to help us introduce it, we're gonna you know jump back to Keith. Be real. He's gonna he's gonna help us introduce it.
5: Wait a minute, is that Jada Pickett? Excuse me, Jada, <laughs> hey. over here. Yeah, <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm Keith Be Real, keeping it real as usual. I got some questions I need to ask you, girl. Sure. Uh, how long do you think this uh, Will Smith uh, hyperthermia is gonna last? Um.
1: Hyper, hyperthermia. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah, Look at him. You guys read
1: Um, Well, you know, I think that Will is very talented and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, he'll be successful at anything
5: that he mm-hmm. puts his mind to. Uh, yeah, well, I was checking out his vertebrae. He don't look like he can slang it like no man. Well, now, now, me, I would tell te- your little... Uh,
1: he stop. deserved that. He
0: did. Keith, be real. Stop that. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Uh, that, uh, the reference to um, Jada Pinkett is a good way to introduce the next song, which is "Chasing Forever." Yeah,
3: forever, 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 oh,
4: forever, 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 yeah, forever, chasing forever, Early morning. Wind. The-,
0: <laughs> the, the, the album gets worse as he gets more sentimental. Oh no! <laughs> oh man. Okay, so uh, uh, did you just get this right out. Of, get this out of the way. Chasing Forever contains a sample of the song "Ribbon in the Sky," written and performed by Stevie Wonder. That's the piano. Very nice. Very pretty. Thanks. Another song I've never heard before. But now I will only associate with Will Smith. Or you
1: could just listen to Ribbon in the Sky.
0: Thanks, Will. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Chasing Forever features additional vocals by
1: Kenny Green
0: and Trey Lorenz. So good job, boys. So um, this song is about Will Smith's love and marriage <laughs> to who? Jada. Jada.
1: Pick a Smith.
0: Yep, uh, at the time, she, or before marriage, she was... Uh, Jada Pickett. She was Jada Karen Pick- Pinkett. <laughs> ah. Yeah, so Smith married Jada Pinkett. Now Jada Pinkett Smith in 1997. So this is kind of their their wedding song in a way.
1: Mm.
0: Similar to in 1998. Or 1988, when we talked about with uh, Anita Baker. And I knew her, you were
1: going to bring back Anita Baker. Auntie Anita!
0: Yep, she uh, she wrote a song about when she got married. This is mm-hmm. very similar. They just got married, and, and, and Will was just so overwhelmed with love yeah. that he had to write a song about it.
1: They've been married for... Wait, when did they get married? 80? This
0: year. Oh, okay. They'd been
1: together before this. Yeah, in yeah, the they, song, that he said something about four years. I think
0: they said, yeah, they, they met... So they met while she, Will was on The Fresh Prince. Yeah. She auditioned for a role as... Smith's character's girlfriend. Yep. Did she get the the role? Oh, there there you
1: go. And they, I'm pretty sure with Jada, I think it was Jada, maybe it was a different character. Like, they got engaged, and then at the wedding, she was like, nah, I don't think I can do this, and walked away. The character. Yes. Got it. But in real life, it happened. Maybe that was a different actress.
0: Maybe that was a different actress. I don't know, but yeah, so... uh, She, 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 that's where they met. Yep. And they courted and it says here, uh, four years and like wine, you got finer with time. So it's been four years. They must've met in 1993 or something.
1: How long have we been together?
0: Like dating? Six years?
1: Have we been together six years? Am I fine like wine? Yes. (laughs) There was a question mark at the end of that statement. I just don't like the line. It's silly sunshine peeking through the Venetian
4: blind four years and like wine, you got fine with time I got a question if the product dress that Gucci all got ghosts and the freeze on Lucci. I mean real bad girl I'm talking rougher than rough do you think it'd be enough if we just had us don't answer quick think about it cause I'm massive for real gold digger is gonna hit the song driving and crash at the wheel forever is a long time so far we get in a long fine no car I ever drove no ice I
1: ever but I think like I think as much as you definitely were saying the more sentimental it gets, the more like silly. It is so corny. I think it is. There is like, it is a little corny, but I don't mind it because I think that like, the sentiment of it feels so honest, right? Like, I think typically... That's the
0: problem. That's the problem. He's so earnest and genuine that it's like, I'm just like, oh, it's so cringy.
1: Oh my gosh. So this is a really interesting role reversal because usually I'm the one, like, if something is too earnest, right? If we're watching something, if I'm reading something, if I'm, like, in a song and someone is being, like, this is, like, how they really feel and they're being so earnest about it, I just can't be here for it. Not because, like, I want to like downplay their feelings it's just like this is uncomfortable and you're being very vulnerable and I don't feel like I should be here for that (laughs) it's like I don't think that I'm here to see your earnestness I'm gonna step out of the room this one didn't bother me so much I'm I'm a cynical man with a black heart
0: okay and like I Will did nothing wrong here he did (laughs) nothing wrong and so like I just hate it I hate it (laughs) I was just like, I don't want to hear. This. this is so like gross. like it's just like too it's just so too
1: sticky sweet. And I was like, so kids, if you're ever wondering if I've ever heard him tell me he loves me, no, I do do that.
0: But <laughs> it reminds me of like we go to weddings for our friends and our friends will read their vows and they're just so like gross. Ugh. and they're like clearly in love They just oh with the- they're so in love. And they're, like, just having this, like, very intimate moment where they're reading their vows to each other. And I just want to go. Bleh, bleh.
1: <laughs> we're bad people. We're hey, bad people. friends of ours who are listening to this that have recently been married, we love you. You and did we, nothing you wrong. You did nothing wrong except love so sincerely in public. And we just have a problem with it. We, we're the
0: ones in the wrong We're year. the
1: ones with the problem. <laughs> Just just like oh my gosh this these lyrics you mean like the parts where he's like do you think it'd be enough if it if we just had us don't answer quick think about it cuz i'm asking for real yes yeah, stuff like that i'm like so oh my gosh Ugh. you're so cute i um i didn't mind it i think there were definitely moments like i was like Eek. <laughs> like that part i was like okay will But I think there was a lot of things in it that I felt were important things to be asking or to like be putting together like just right after him asking about it if it's real saying forever is a long time so far we're getting along fine like realizing that and i think there's something later in in the song that's saying like hey we're going to mess up but like it's about fighting maybe i put that like there's a lot of sentiment in here yeah, didn't there? A- like you're here um now don't commit before you're sure you understand me right it's a race to a strange place most never see it's a chase we got to make we got to make together forever and it's like that kind of like thing where it's just like we're getting along great right now but it's this is a commitment like are we ready don't answer quickly like is this something you want to do because I'm ready to go all in with you uh and I just kind of like like it's a race to a strange place most never see and I know he's talking about forever is that but yeah it is right like every relationship if you're in it for the long haul looks different it's a strange place it's a and i think that like i just put like this is a wise sentiment like it's important and i think that's a good look (laughs) isn't there a line where he
0: says like even if he wasn't rich and famous like he's like would you still like you know would we still be together and Mm -hmm. like he affirms like yeah even if you know we weren't act you know we weren't rich and famous i'd you know i'd still want to be with you Mm -hmm. or something like that right
1: i think it was close to the one that i just read um Right? Like, do you think I'd be enough if do you think it'd be enough if we just had us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't don't answer quick. Think about it because I'm asking for real gold digger. Gold digger's gonna hear this song drive in and crash at the wheel.
0: yeah, so he, he's he wants to make sure that she ain't no gold digger.
1: Yeah, you know.
0: um <laughs> and then he's he's committed to being a better man. It's another portion of the song. So it's like to see your soul and eternity in the palm of my hands. Now, as a man, there are certain things I'm lacking for sure, but Mm -hmm. I'm committed to growing and coming at you mature. (laughs) (laughs) Though I ain't no knight and my armor don't shine, my mom said the linchpin of love is trust.
1: And taught me monogamy is monogamous. Monogamy is uh Monogamous. (laughs)
4: I, die, I plan to see us hold an eternity in the palm of my hands. Now as a man, it's certain things I'm lacking for sure. But I'm committed to growing and coming at you, mature. And in the future, I know it ain't gonna be all good. But when we feeling the hurt, if we willing to work, the eight ball will never turn to see us behind. Though I ain't no light and my armor don't shine. My mom said the linchpin of love is trust and taught me monogamy. yourself a monogamous plus for you. getting about...
0: Plus... For you, dinner by candle. Oh, gosh.
1: It's so horrible. I don't know why you added that line. Candlelight. makes it special. (laughs) I think, like, see, the things that you're reading besides the candlelight thing are, like, really good sentiments that he's have. Like, I like that what he's doing is not just, like, our love is so amazing. And, like, he's saying, like, this is what love looks like to me. It's about working. Like, even a line that you didn't read was, uh, and in the future, I know it. It ain't gonna be all good, uh, but when we feel in the hurt, if we' willing to work,
0: yeah, that's all good. That's you totally. It's 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 all great. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be here for it.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> See, guess. I get it, but like this one doesn't yeah. bother me. It's I like
0: think... it's like the polar opposite of those Backstreet Boys songs we heard. You oh, know, gosh, where it was like those, those were like horrible, immature, mm-hmm. um, like la- like I don't know troublesome songs about love, which meant like they were like nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's the opposite of love. This is
1: what love is. Yeah. He's right. But I don't want to hear it. Oh my gosh. I want to, I think that there are the parts that I didn't highlight. I don't really want to hear. And that's more specific to like his relationship or, or whatever. But the rest of this, I think there's so few things that like, and I know People who have heard Big Willie style like are not thinking about this song, but there's so like they're like this in the next song we're gonna talk about. He gives like so many like good advice, good thoughts on on what he thinks something is, and I'm just like, no, that's what it is. You're right, you know.
0: Um, but he says it so bluntly, maybe that's another thing. He just like he's so he's just so on the nose about it. This is like not poetry, you're
1: not wrong. It's very,
0: it's didactic poetry,
1: you're not wrong. But I think some idiots – some people in the world need to just be told that, like, this is just what it it is.
0: It connected with a lot of people. I think that is, like, that – it speaks for itself, I suppose. It does. Um, One element of the song, though, I do want to criticize, like, legitimately. Not just, like, oh, I just don't feel it. But there are a lot of elements of the song where he's just describing – how much they have mm-hmm. and this goes for um, a few songs he 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 flaunts his wealth a little bit mm-hmm. like it's not excessive other rappers have done it much worse <clears throat> but Will does flaunt his wealth a little bit here so at the very end it says like seal it with a kiss bind it with a ring more carrots than even bugs could eat in a week <laughs>
4: Your eyes can make the sun rise or reversing. Seal it with a kiss, bond it with a ring. More carrots than even bugs could eat in a week. And the ribbon in the sky, close your eyes, don't peek. I'll tell you what I see in the future. A high CN just so cute with five little kids calling you mom and calling me dad. Having more good times than JJ had. Judging by the look in your eyes, you see it. Let no man sever. Welcome to forever.
0: So he's, he's like, yeah, I love you so much and all we need is us, but I'm going to buy you a big old ring. Yeah. With so many carrots in it.
1: So many carrots.
0: He's going to treat his girl.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I honestly, I, I, I like bypass that. I feel like that's a rapper thing.
0: It is. It is. It's, an,
1: it's annoying. Earlier this in the song, why... he's
0: talking about his Prada and Gucci mm-hmm. and, his, and his Lucci. <laughs>
1: I don't even know what that is, and the many cars that he has. This is really why I don't listen to a lot of rap because most of it, a good portion of albums, have these kinds of songs on them, and I'm just not gonna sit here for it. Yeah, so it's like, unless it's excessively good,
0: so like all the self aggrandizing, I'm like, I could do without, and I feel like this song would have been stronger without it.
1: I agree, but then it also would have been like that thing, like, oh, weak. You can't even rap. Is this what you are? You have to blah, blah, blah. I well, get it. Well, I get what. We'll get answers to
0: those folks later.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's just like, mm, yeah. But I guess it's also a part of the relationship, right? Like, I think to leave, maybe he didn't need it all as much as he has it in there, but to leave it out would have been less than factual as, right, he does have money and people do come after him for stuff like that. And that is something that he has to like, think about and worry about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel I, like I do get it. It's still too much. You
0: could have been above it. But yeah, it is what it is. I think that's all I have to say about the song.
1: Oh, I've got a couple more. Go for it. Um, uh, there is a couple lines at the towards the end that I really like that say, "Now you would think after all my heartbreaks I'd be cruel, hiding behind my ego, evil, but no. Much to the contrary, I'm very much certain." You Searching for Joy, it's on the other side of hurting.
4: Now you would think after all my heartbreaks, I'd be cruel, hiding behind my ego, evil, but no, much the contrary, I'm very much certain. You searching for joy, it's on the other side of hurting. Finally found a person worthy of all. Instead of pushing me down, you want to cushion my fall? Your eyes can make the sun
1: rise. And I think that, like, that's so good. <laughs> you know, like, that idea that, like, the truth is, right? Like, all of us have been hurt. All of us have had heartbreaks. Even if you've never been in a relationship in your life, your heart has been broken by a family member, a friend. It's true. The death of a fictional character in a book or on TV. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. If you are older than the age of eight, you've had heartbreak of some sort. Yeah. Um. But even especially with these kinds of, like, uh, more not truer heartbreaks, but like heartbreaks in relationships, if you have them one after another, and, and especially after some of the heartbreaks that we know that will have had, has had in his life at this point, you're right. Like you would think it would make you cruel. It would make you harder to be closer to. And him saying, no, you know, like, like, yeah, he's probably like wiser about how he interacts with people, but that he coming out of those heartbreaks and those, those hurts, he says, if you're searching for joy, he's sure it's, he's certain it's on the other side of like pain. So you have to push through it to figure out where, where it is. And I love that so much. I think that that's such, I think that's just like an important thing that we don't necessarily really always think about, right? Like not to minimize <laughs> your pain and be like, oh, it's fine. It'll be better later. But to know that like, there can be something more, right? Yeah. Um. And then right after that, finally found a person worthy of all. Instead of pushing me down, you want to cushion my fall, which.
0: You need that. You need a co-pilot. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen the movie uh, Up in the Air? So everyone needs co-pilot.
1: Yeah. And I think it's such a, a beautiful and amazing sentiment. And I really hope.
0: <laughs> they that made it. This,
1: I really hope that they ma- they made it.
0: Despite all of Jada's entanglements.
1: Did you just Google it? I did. Why did you do it? I said we weren't going to talk about it.
0: Just saying. <laughs> she had some entanglements.
1: Stop. <laughs> she used those. She did. I know she did. I'm on TikTok. You're not. I'm not. I just looked it up.
0: <laughs> Multiple entanglements.
1: Oh, stop it.
0: So, yeah, we, we hope they get better. Like, legitimately. I hope they hey, I hope they work through this.
1: Will, literally, Joy is on the other side of the pain.
0: Will have yourself a Gemini man moment. Consult your your past self and see what you know what, what, what you need in a good relationship. All he needs to do is listen to this song again. Remember his first love.
1: Will, I'm not in your life or in your marriage, so I can't give you advice. Will, we know we know you're listening. <laughs> Jada? We know you're listening. I have nothing to say to you. I'm sorry for all the dragon you're getting. Same for you, Will. I don't know, man. Next song?
0: Next song. Fitting with the, uh, the theme of family, the next song I'm going to talk about is called Just the Two of Us.
3: Now, Dad is a very sensitive subject.
0: Once again, just to get this out of the way, this song was inspired by the Bill Withers and Grover Washington Jr. song of the same title, Just Mm -hmm. the Two of Us. That's where you get the,
1: just the two of us. Mm -hmm.
0: I have heard that song before, Ah, before this one. So there you go. It samples and incorporates the lyrics from that original song.
1: And a note from Nell in the hat. This was her third on her list. And she said, one of my personal favorites. It touches on every heartstring. It's about him and his son. You should watch the video. So we're going to put that on TikTok.
0: What? Yeah. Twitter. We we will share the the music video on the Twitters. Um, Also, this song uh, features additional vocals by Jeff Fuzzy Young and Curtis Sauce Williams of the R&B group Something for the People, as well as Trisha Covington.
1: Jeff Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear.
0: Fuzzy and Sauce.
1: Jeff Fuzzy was a sauce.
0: Thank you for your contributions. (laughs) For your service. (laughs) Uh, So what's this song about? It's about Will and his son. It is. <laughs> but not the son that, you know, was in the public eye for many years. Uh, not not little Jaden, is that his name? Yeah, Jaden. Not Jaden. Not Jaden. Willard. His, his first son. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, I, I didn't know this. You did
1: not know. You were very confused. I was. You're like, what? His son? He didn't have a son yeah, at J- this point. Jaden was wasn't like even son. born yet. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I was like, it's his other son. Yeah, so I looked it up, it's and
0: silly. I had I, I learned something new. So maybe someone other our, our kids will learn something today. But So Smith... <laughs> had a previous marriage to a woman named Cherie Zampino, which ended in divorce in 1995. Uh, he and Zampino had a son named Willard Carol Smith III, or Trey for short. Yeah. So this song is a tribute to Trey.
1: A tribute, if you will.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Shout out to Trey Boot. <laughs> oh, man. So th- this song, I think, just like the last one, it's so earnest... And it's just dripping with sentimentality that I'm just like, uh, uh,
1: uh. I'm like drowning in it. And again, I'm ignoring those bits and looking at the really like good fatherhood things. There's here. a lot of
0: good fatherhood thing. He he dispenses a lot of wisdom about yeah. being a father. Everything he's learned about being a father. Everything From he Uncle hopes Phil. to learn. <laughs>
1: I'm, yeah, I'm, sure,
0: I'm sure Uncle Phil taught him. No, he,
1: awesome. he has a great relationship with his actual father. But like, so because
0: the song opens up. From the first time the doctor placed you in my arms, mm-hmm. I knew he—I knew I'd meet death for I'd let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up.
4: From the first time the doctor placed you in my arms, I knew I'd meet be death for I'd let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up. From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get car in right people driving on fast got me kind of upset got you home safe placed you in your bassinet that night i don't think one wink i slept as i slipped out my bed to your crib my crap touch your head gently felt my heart melt because i knew i loved you more than life itself into my knees and i begged the lord please let me be a good daddy all he needs love knowledge discipline too i pledge my life to you
3: the oh.
0: I was like he 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 didn't know if he was gonna be a good father. Yeah. But he said I'm gonna try it anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try my best to be a good father. And then the whole song is about him talking about all the ways he's trying to be a good father. Yeah. And it's and like, it is as well. He sounds like he's a good father. Yeah. He's got good. Got no
1: dad guilt. Not not yet.
0: <laughs> Wait what? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I hope I hope the entanglements are oh causing my gosh. any dad guilt.
1: Thank you. I thought you were gonna hit me with some news at the end of this. Oh like, no, no, no! That no. It was just like, oh. No,
0: him and Trey have a great relationship.
1: Thank you. I was like, I'm gonna fight you.
0: Oh yeah, no, no. Trey loves the whole family. Yeah, he loves his brothers and sis- His brother and sister. He loves uh, his stepmom. It's it's good. Yeah. All's good in the Trey household.
1: Trey hold. Trey- <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I think those because of, I love that he opened up with that. Right. Like it's. It is great. I think, like I, I agree with Mel, like you can feel the sincerity and the and the love here, and yeah, I think can. that it. And I think that him dispensing this kind of fumbling fatherly knowledge, right? Like him not making it up as he goes along, but testing, you know, to see what this is going to be. Because I, I think that the truth is, right? Like whatever kind of relationship we have with our parents kids you included right like we're always trying to do better than them even if we had great parents even if our parents like did like wonderful by us we always like comparing ourselves to them when we are raising our own children and um and moving along with the times because we're different people you know so i think that like watching or like seeing these lyrics where he's just kind of like I don't know, man. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, like this understanding. I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's a beautiful sentiment, but that's also probably because I uh, want to be a mom. So it's like
0: then on, then to my knees and I beg the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs love, knowledge, and discipline too. I pledge my life to you. And I was like, he's, he's, I mean, like he's asking for help. He's, he's, you yeah. know, being uh, supplicant. He's being, uh, you know, uh, submissive, I guess, you know, uh, he's being very humble. Yeah. He's looking... very, there's a lot of humility in this song, which I, I it's like I, I totally uh, respect Will mm-hmm. Smith for this song. I do. This is corny.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I'm that's, just all gonna, I, that's all I can say. I'm just going to talk through the lines that I like and then you can discuss with me. <laughs> I, <laughs> Because there are yet, yeah, like I said, there are a lot. But there are the, there are also lines that I just like that resonate with me at one point. He's talking. I wanna kiss you all the time, but I'll test that butt when you cut out a line. That's true. Uh, why did you do that? I try to be a tough dad but you making me laugh
4: i want kiss you all the time but i will test that button when you cut out a line true that Uh-uh-uh. why you do that i try to be a tough dad but you be making me laugh crazy joy when i see the eyes of my baby boy i pledge to you i will always
1: do that part i uh, you haven't like worked with kids like i have right mm-hmm. um ignore what i'm about to say I love bad kids. <laughs> I love bad kids because they have the audacity to just go for it. This is the problem. You know you need to discipline them, but you're so impressed by them that you just want to like laugh and clap a little bit, but you're like, "No, no, no, no. That action needs to be that action needs to be corrected." And I feel this, like, I try to be tough, but you're making me laugh. Yeah, that
0: that feels very real.
1: Like, there have been times where if I had to, like, check... Like, I've told you that story when I worked at that middle school, and there was a kid who was taller than me. I don't know what they fed these children to. I am a grown woman, and I am nearly six foot tall. This child was (laughs) 6'4", and in the eighth grade. I'm not exaggerating. He was... One of my favorites. And that's probably the only reason listen to me. We had like a basketball game against some other group. <laughs> and um, the somebody from the other team like intentionally slammed into him and shoved him into the wall. And this boy this boy was from the streets and he was ready. He was ready. He took off his Jersey and I had to stand in front of this child and tell him to sit down so that I could yell at him. And I was like straight up with him. And I can remember him saying like something ridiculous. I'm not going to repeat on camera, on mic, and me having to hold a straight face and be like, I get it, but no sit down, have a Gatorade. (laughs) And then I had to walk away because I laughed so hard. Being, being, being the adult is a difficult thing when you are just kind of like, nah, I'm with you, kid. So I feel that line. Yeah. (laughs) I like, but there's so many like really good things, right? Like, and like sad and and thought provoking things as well. Like. I think that, like, how he, it sounds like what he writes in here, it sounds like not just that he's talking to us as the listeners, but that he's like telling these truths to his son. And you oh, can yeah. see that in a lot of different places. Even just like, it didn't work out between me and your mom, but yo, push come to shove, you was conceived in love. Saying that, saying I bo- that. Mess. I bolded that line. That's
0: my favorite line in the whole song. Right? Yeah.
4: Show you how to be a man, dignity, integrity, honor, and I don't mind if you lose long as you came with it, and you can cry, ain't no shame in it. It didn't work out with me and your mom, but your push come to shove. You was conceived in love, so if the world attacks, and you slide off track, remember one fact, I got your back. Uh.
0: I was like, that is mega important to tell the child, especially during a divorce. Yeah. I was like, It's like Will Smith I I think you you get you get an A plus for that one it's like you 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 said exactly what you needed to say there
1: yeah you know right like and it's so important it is so good it's so good right like to even even highlight the idea that like no I loved your mom we were in love she loved me I loved her and that changed but you were made from that love and you will continue to have that love. Like that's, you're right. So powerful. So important. So, yeah, yeah. and even just some of the things, right? Like just before that, everything I can show you how to be a man. And that's like, I'm going to read what he says next. Like, yeah, that's yeah. such an important thing because it's like, okay, that means like, what does it mean to be a man in his eyes? Because we can say a lot of things, right? Yeah, like, yeah. especially as a rapper, <laughs> yeah. but uh, like in trying to like hold some kind of credit, yeah, the, key, the key is what he says after that line, right? Yes. And it's dignity integrity honor and i don't mind if you lose as long as you came with it and you can cry there's no shame in it like yes will smith yes i think he's raising that boy right would you like to be the uncle to my children (laughs) to the kids here like like that all these sentiments like i think that's the reason for me the song like hits because it's not just like i love you so much you're my like I'm not going to throw him in him under the bus. But Men's like Mockingbird and stuff like that, which are like, I still like, but it's talking about the come up and it's talking about him more than it's really talking. This is just kind of like, I want to import part these, these really important things. And those, that's why it has me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying like everything I can show you how to be a man, anything after that, like you can probably, like, I think that tells you the most about the person saying it. Yeah. How What, what they value and what they think it means to be a man, right? Whereas Will Smith says, you know, to be a man, show dignity, integrity, honor. Uh, it's okay if you lose as long as you did your best and it's okay to cry. And I'm like, all right, right. That's what Will Smith values in being a man, right that's what he, to him. That's what it means to be a man. I was like, all right, I agree.
5: I, I, I agree, with, I agree
0: with him. Good job. Hustle, loyalty, respect. <laughs> Can't see me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, I called the, the, to me in my head I was like that's the John Cena stanza and then the Hulk Hogan stanza is the one that says always tell the truth say your prayers hold doors pull out chairs easy on the swears <laughs>
4: <laughs> but just in case it's my place to impart one day some girl's gonna break your heart and who ain't like from the opposite sex, wanna hurt bad, but don't take it out on the next son. Throughout life, people will make you mad. Disrespect you and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do. Cause hate in your heart will consume you too. Always tell the truth. Say your prayers, hold doors, pull out chairs. Easy on the swears. You live and prove that dreams come true. I love you and I'm here for you.
3: Uh.
0: And it was like, you know, that sounds like Hulk Hogan, like, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, stuff. Yeah. Which is like
1: a little corny, you know? I don't think it's as
0: strong as the, the other
1: song, the other one. The other part. But still, yeah. He's getting them all in there. I think that, like, I, I I highlighted that part too, because I highlighted, like, three stances in that part. And I just put, like, it's advice to father or son, because if that part feels like. There's a uh, three stanzas that start off with, but just in case this is my place to impart, and it feels like a letter to his son as he's dying, right? Like, oh, he, wow. like it feels like if this is the only place I can say these things to impart this wisdom, to impart like these things of what, it, then I'm going to. And he just goes back. He's it's like a living day, record, huh?
0: It's like a, it's like a living record of what, yeah. You know, just in case he's not there for yeah,
1: right. If there's for any reason I can't be there, he's it's just like one day some girl's gonna break your heart. Uh, there's no pain like there is for the, from the opposite sex. It's going to hurt bad. Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you and treat you bad. Let God deal with that because hate in your heart will consume you too. Always tell the truth, say your prayers, hold doors, pull out chairs. Like all these things that it's just kind of like, just in case I'm not here, let me just, all the big grasping things, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and I like really, really enjoy just all of the heart that's in it. Right. Like even seeing moments where again, like that fumbling thing I said, Shows up just before that saying I gotta study just to keep up with the changing times Oh gosh, this is the worst <laughs> they're, they're See, worst I'm trying to pretend song. I know You know, or, yeah <laughs> It's a
4: full-time job to be a good dad You got so much more stuff than I had I gotta study just to keep with the changing times 101 Dalmatians on your CD-ROM cd I'm Trying to pretend I know On my PC where that CD go But yo, ain't nothing promised One day I'll be gone
0: 101 Dalmatians on your CD-ROM <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that one, I was like, I know that's true to life because he probably played 101 Dalmatians mm-hmm. with the sun on the CD-ROM. And I was like, that comes from a place, but it's so lame.
1: I agree. That sounds
0: like a freaking Western, like a, a country <laughs> Western song would have wrote that lyric, you know? Mm,
1: well, he's, I mean, yeah, it's it's corny, but it's that kind of idea, right? Where it's just that, that I... You got. You do have to keep up with the times, like you were raising kids, uh, and so you do have to keep up. Like you're just trying to figure out. Like he's like, see me. I'm trying to pretend to know on my PC where the that CD go. There's there's no more CD ROMs. I was like, hey, 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 hey. I can, I can
0: <laughs> identify that having to do IT, you know, free IT work for my parents constantly. So right. I get it.
1: So it's like things like that where I'm like, I really enjoy just how much is packed into this song because it. Does feel very earnest, and I think that like because it's the earnestness of a, like a a parent to their child, I feel it way less of like cringy.
0: I looked it up just now, just because I was curious. I was like, I always think of Will Smith as being younger than he is, I guess, but he is totally my mom's age. Mm-hmm. So he comes from the same generation my mom does, where they have absolutely no idea how to use any computer or <laughs> anything. <laughs> yep. So it's very. I was like, hey, I guess that's true.
1: Goes to show. But um, he's up on it now.
0: Anything else? <laughs> no. So there is one lyric I do want to point out as well, and then I have uh, some—I have some facts. Uh, so the lyric says, "Sometimes I wonder what you gonna be—a general, a doctor, maybe an MC."
4: five years old bringing comedy every time i look at you i think man a little me just like me wait and see going to be tall makes me laugh because you got your dad's ears and all sometimes i wonder what you gonna be a general a doctor maybe your mc i want to kiss you all the time
1: but i will test so that.
0: what did trey smith end up doing in his life any guesses i have the was answer.
1: he a doctor on general
0: is he a general Medicine? practitioner? No. No, he was not. In
1: general hospital? Was he the doctor in general hospital? No,
0: he, no. <laughs> he, well, he did, he did a, do a few acting things. Uh-huh. He had a few acting gigs, even with his father, I believe. Oh, cool. Uh, so But no, Trey is currently pursuing a career in music. Oh. Performing under the name DJ Ace. Okay. He has DJed high-profile events since 2012, including the 2013 Vanity Fair Oscar party. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's a successful DJ. Cool. Good job, Trey. Good job. Maybe an MC? Certainly an MC. (laughs) So good job, Trey. Um, I think that's all we have left to say about the lyrics of the song, correct?
1: Yeah. Do you have any tracks from it?
0: Oh, no. Uh, DJ Ace? No. No, no. But uh, I do have some more audio fun we can have with just the two of us, though. Okay. So uh, similar to uh, our Backstreet Boys uh, episode 1986, Will Smith's Big Willie Style had many specifically this song this song was released as a single and the single version of this song was you know sent out to various different countries and some countries had their own special mixes of just the two of us
1: this isn't a club song
0: it's no no it's not 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 remixes okay non-english lyrics oh yeah so just the two of us sung in different languages okay now i must preface this Will Smith does not rap in other languages. I was very disappointed (laughs) to hear Will Smith try to rap in Spanish. It didn't happen. Uh, Just the the chorus part, the two of us part Uh, was in Spanish. But I have two uh, versions of just the two of us for different uh, international releases. The first one is the Spanish version featuring DLG. Solo tu ijo. That's some Castilian Spanish right
1: there. Yeah, I was like, that's Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) So solo tu (laughs) ijo.
1: Wow. Yep. So that's
0: that. And the other one I have is called is uh, Just the Two of Us, the Korean version
1: featuring Turbo. Wait. Julie? Dang it. I can't think of Just. I was like trying to figure out what that would be. Okay, go. Is Oh
0: Do you know Turbo? The group Turbo or a specific singer from Turbo? It just says Turbo. Ah! <laughs> Who's Turbo?
1: It's a group.
0: <laughs> Are they famous?
1: <laughs> Honey, we're not. We're not at the Korean music section yet, so I'm not going. To. This
0: is just a taste of Korea. Oh man! Uh, so that's just the two of us. Um, To introduce the next track, we're going to you know, jump back to uh, Keith B. Real, and he's going to help us move along.
5: Yeah, this is Keith B. Rizzle. Uh, Looks like this brother Will Smith is just avoiding me, but I will not be ignored. You understand? Uh, uh, Excuse me. Uh, 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 Will, Will, (laughs) one more question, my brother. Look, I see you brought your DJ Jazzy Jeff with you. Now, keep it real. Are you just flaunting DJ Jazzy Jeff around for the cameras so you don't look like some big-time, bougie Hollywood sellout that you really are? Process that along with your hair. Keith, Keith, Keith. Yeah, I know. Charlie. Charlie, you're going to get enough of grabbing up on me, man.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Keith Be Real is uh, speaking for uh, some uh, critics of Mr. Smith uh, regarding his rap career. I assume because the next song we're going to talk about is called Don't Say Nothing, and it deals with the same sentiments that Keith Be Real just shared about.
2: Yeah.
4: Yo when I released my first single back in like 86, people was like, oh, you know, that's popcorn and, you know, they weak. You know, then I mess around, I go world trade on them, banging out the multi-plats. They still got negativity to bring. My thing is, you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing. Take your place, allow me to flex a taste. As my accomplishment, Spray it my comp like mace. Face me, the star of stage of TV. My face be seen in almost every country. Grammy winner,
1: soon to be Oscar nominee. Who
0: so this is his his defense track where he needs to defend himself from the haters.
1: What does it mean to go world trade on them in 1997? It
0: means to make a bunch of paper to make the money. I assume, like a high, you know, like a, like a successful uh, stock trader. But yeah, so this is uh, I, I I specifically wanted to talk about this song because I feel like it. To this, obviously, the song uh, is. I feel like it has legitimate things to say. Not to say that those last two songs didn't, because they did. Mm-hmm. I feel like this song is also true to life, and Will is expressing his feelings in a very genuine way. But I feel like
1: this song has teeth, so I
0: connect with it a bit more.
1: That's interesting. I think you're going to have to lead on this, because I highlighted nothing other than the World Trade thing.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So, like, he is responding, just like Keith Be Real. He responds, like, Keith Be Real comes out of him and is like, hey, Will, are you just flaunting DJ Jazzy Jeff? Because you're a big Hollywood sellout (laughs) just like that. Um, so will is responding to people who said he sold out Mm -hmm. by going into TV and movies. Uh, you know, not, he left the rap game behind. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: A lot of rappers do this. You gotta, you gotta defend yourself from the haters. You gotta reaffirm your status as a a genuine rapper, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's what he's doing. And that's, I feel like that's what this song is about. And so he's just defending himself saying, Hey, I never left rap behind. Uh, I didn't. I, I'm not a sellout, and here's why.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an interesting concept. I don't know who we were talking to about, like, or maybe I was talking to someone about it at work, but like how dumb it is to not diversify your your skills. You know, like he does have a line here. I did like highlight it that said, "took a break from this from the rap thing, went on hiatus. I picked up the art of acting." And multiplied papers.
4: Ooh, he that's dressed, Jigger, straight from West Philly. Thought I was whack, cause I wanted to act. Now every brother and his mother, they rap, be trying to do that to ill kid. Hundred million dollar bill kid, the one you love to chill with. Come on, keep it real kid. Don't try to act like the summer at the Greek. You won't be bumping the big willy in your jeep. I know y'all still feel me, really. Don't act silly. Thought I fell off just because I left Philly, took a break from the rap thing.
1: Hiatus. i picked up the auto acting and multiplied papers i chilled on silk sofas and i think money. yeah you know and i think that like i don't understand when people say you sold out because you don't do the one thing anymore because you are this one being <laughs> you know like
0: it, it's it goes back to what we talked about in the first segment like there's just this like i don't know this artistic purity that some people value right it's like well, you know, you didn't put your time in, or you you forgot the little guy. You forgot where you came from. Will Smith freaking gave that speech in the first episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know? You sold out. You got soft. Mm-hmm. He, that, that's, I feel like, some of the, the people who enjoyed his rap career thought he did, you know?
1: I mean, I I don't know. I get it. I, I get it. I think I get it on a, not an intellectual level. I I, I think I can understand I just don't get it. So that's the thing, right? It, just- it's
0: it's just like like punk rock had a similar thing where it was like punk is like anti-establishment, you know? So maybe mm-hmm. maybe like, you know, West Coast rapper, or he was not West Coast, but like, you know, like, you know, rap was very much an anti-establishment um, underground movement, right? Mm-hmm. And then Will Smith sold out in quotes by joining the establishment to mm-hmm. act and do bigger things. He forgot where he came from, right? Where it's like, you have a you have a, a punk act like Green Day, you know, who came from that underground scene, and then they went and signed with a major label, released a you know multi platinum record, and suddenly they sold out.
1: Yeah, I think it's, they forgot
0: their values.
1: I think the thing is that people say I I the the people who complain about this stuff call it oh you think you went to bigger things like what why does it why is it bigger to be on TV or in movies than to be To, to them, it's, it's like... It's just different. Yeah, like like so you,
0: you don't stand for what you standed for before or you forgot the values that you used to stand for when, you know, you were a starving artist or something. it's so dumb. It, it's, it's just... <laughs> I, you see it in almost every creative industry. Like,
1: I, you do, and I just think it's dumb every time I come across it. I just think it's so dumb. Like, if I want to make art and I'm starving to do it and then suddenly I'm able to make art and eat shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like I would like to not starve. How about that? How about feed myself?
0: <laughs> like here's, here's a line. Who's he that's dressed jiggy straight from West Philly thought I was whack because I wanted to act now every brother and his mother that rap be trying to do that. So Will Smith is, you know, he, he is quoting people who said, Oh, he's whack because he, you know, he's an actor now. He forgot, you know, he left the rap game behind. Um, but he's defending himself as like, hey, everyone just followed my footsteps. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like now every you know, I I set the trend, now everyone's doing it.
1: Did he act before Ice T acted?
0: He might have. I don't know. Ice Cube? Ice Cube, Ice T.
1: When did Friday come out?
0: (laughs) Well Friday was ninety-five and uh and uh Boys in the Hood was ninety-one. So yes, Will Smith I think was in acting before Ice Cube was. Well, all right. And and then also I think he's also responding to um, criticisms of the type of rap that he does in general, right? Because this is what I would like to call happy rap. Okay. Uh,
1: well, no, he called it these people specifically called it popcorn popcorn, popcorn rap. <laughs>
0: it's it's yeah, like that or uh, bubblegum pop mm-hmm. rap, right? Because compare this to NWA or um Public Enemy, right? Very very different. He's he's not angry or abrasive and he's certainly not challenging like he, not really he's not challenging the status quo he's not challenging the establishment
1: no because right? he believes that a man should be have dignity <laughs> and well
0: either way it's i i like ho, like definitely respect like public enemy for standing up the, for the establishment oh, yeah. and saying what they said yeah, yeah but yeah. like that's not the rap music mm. that will smith was producing no. right so you know there's a line here that says "He soft he whack man that ain't real rap
4: Man, I love being me Ready to rock your block With some more hot top knot For you to cop No more Mr. Nice Guy My whole life I've been smiling When I felt like Wiley Jealousy swinging on me Made his attack He
3: Man, that ain't real rap You
4: believe that? It hurt me at first But it's cool Took the insults Fed them to my ego Used it for fuel Now everywhere I turn a dead end Hundred women coming at me Waving
0: pads and- Right? Mm-hmm. Th- th- those are criticisms I assume that he received Right, Because yeah. he's Because we we you know we're we're poking fun out of writing cheesy corny songs about Men in Black, but you know <laughs> I I I think that people are like oh he's just writing this mainstream like teethless rap you know mm-hmm. it's got no teeth it's got no guts he's not he's not writing real music right. right but then he challenges you know he he fights back and says you believe that it hurt it hurt me at first but it's cool took the insults feed it into my ego used it f- used it for fuel you know so he's just using that criticism to Fuel his, uh, right. uh, his drive. I mean, Will Smith, very hardworking man. Yeah. 100%.
1: No one can say that. That is not true.
0: Yeah. He, he definitely earned a lot of what he received. So I think he's just calling it like it is. He's like, yeah, people said things about me. They insulted me. They made me feel bad. They uh, called me whack and mm. soft. I just said, you know, I just used it to further drive myself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Haters going to hate all the time. Might as well ignore them.
0: But I do want to say, like, I, I think I respect a lot of what he's saying here because it comes from the heart, I think, legitimately. Like, mm-hmm. he legitimately is defending himself here. Uh, but some of the methods by which he defends himself at the end of the song in particular uh, ends up, like, I think it's not a very strong argument because it falls into the generic rap tropes of I'm going to defend myself by describing how much wealth and wealth I have. Oh, yeah. And all the beautiful things that I... Uh, have bought for myself, right? Like you see this in like Dr. Dre songs, right? Where it's like, I didn't sell out, you know, I, I, I didn't forget rap. I didn't go pop. Look at all these gold records I have on my wall. Look at how, how much stuff mm. I have. Right. It's like a lot of rappers do that, you know, and it's kind of passe. Yeah. So Will Smith here says, I chilled on silk sofas chatting with Oprah. She asked me if it's true that me and Jeff broke up while all y'all kids Busy playing drug pimp and player. I was at my crib in Barbados chilling with Jada.
4: I chilled on silk sofas, chatting with Oprah. She asked me if it's true that me and Jeff broke up. While well, y'all kids busy playing drug pimp and player. I was at my crib in Barbados chilling with Jada. Today the vertex is me, the magnanimous. Got you saying damn, I've always been a fan of his. Y'all know how it is. Oh wait, hold up, y'all don't. Look here,
1: y'all don't say nothing, then I won't.
0: I don't know. I feel like that's a. It's low-hanging fruit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get it. But yeah, it, it does feel a little bit... Mm, maybe because what you're saying, right? Like, he doesn't necessarily write songs that people consider. Like, that's what rap is. It has teeth. And this is him being like, this is this is the rap that you think needs to happen?
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's... but all right, like, he, yeah. He's defending himself from people calling him a sellout by describing mm-hmm. how much he sold out. In oh, a gosh. way... You know? No,
1: because, like, that's how everybody raps. Like you I know, say. I know.
0: But still, I feel like it wasn't okay when they did it, and it's not okay here. Yeah. or it's, I'm just like... Also, I feel like that's... He He had something to say here well, while you're all playing drug pimp and playa, right? He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm above all that, you know? <laughs> I haven't portrayed myself as a bad example to anybody. Yeah. I've just been in my summer home in Barbados <laughs> with my very attractive <laughs> wife, movie star wife.
1: Yeah, and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's But also he's worldwide. Wait, nuh, hold up, Galactic. I put it, boo. <laughs> it's
0: pretty bad. <laughs> oh, I had a the the one groaner line I've got was fifty inch Sony to watch Siskel and Ebert Cause I'm about to get two thumbs up, 10 toes, one knee, and probably a couple of elbows.
4: I'm about to show you how a man like me works. My shorty get ice, five caps and nothing cheaper. Your four five chromed out former two seaters. 50 inch Sony to watch Cisco Cause I'm about to get two thumbs up, 10 toes, one knee, and probably a couple of elbows. Cause yo, I'm the man and the whole world knows. Rock,
1: okay.
0: <sighs> calling out grandpa Ebert.
3: He's
1: goofy.
0: He is very goofy. And uh so he's, He's cutting off his defense at the knees.
1: Uh, He like had a good solid defense and then...
0: He undercut it.
1: <laughs> he got an undercut.
0: I'm not a sellout. Look at all this money I have. I'm not soft. Here's my corny dad joke.
1: <laughs> you know, My movies are good. I'm going to give them toes.
0: Well, that was a joke on... I know, I know. Eight, two I know. thumbs up from the Eberts. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have a whole lot to other things to say about that. Yeah. I feel like the song itself is just like... It comes from a real place. Yeah. And I think this is an example of him being, you know, taking the insults and fueling his uh, creative outlet. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting defense. I don't know.
1: I think it's interesting to see considering, like, the other aspects of his life that we've seen thus far, right? We started off with his movie career, then we moved into his marriage, and then to him as a father, and now with his rap career. I feel like we've covered all aspects of uh, Will Smith's life at this time. We have a full portrait of Willard. Of a Willard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think
0: that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that was... I don't have anything
1: else to say about it.
0: That was a big Willie style. And before we uh, come up with a... Before we decide on uh, how we felt about the album as a whole, let's wrap things up with Mr. Be Real.
5: Keith, what, man? What? When I look back at this, I realize that I came at you sideways, and I you apologize. You right you came at me sideways, man. Right, right? right. I'm saying I'm having a party, man, my album release. It's man. a nice you party. Just... I like the ice, the slaves. It's nice, you man. Just, you disrespecting my whole thing, man. I didn't man. mean to, man. It's just that I have one thing I just want to ask right, you before what? I what? get out of here. What look. is it, I'm doing something, man. It's taking me to the next to, to the next century. It's a barbershop, mm-hmm. okay, slash studio. <laughs> Feel it? Yeah. See, now, now what it is, No, wait, 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 hold yourself. What it is is that why while, while you're getting your, your, your hair cut, you're getting your demo cut. While they pushing up the faders, you're getting a fade. That, <laughs> See?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's you feel how, it?
0: How... Yeah. He then spends the next like minute or so selling him on the barbershop studio idea. And that's the culmination of that storyline.
1: <laughs> because everybody's trying to like I get that, right? Like it goes from being like, oh, Will is a sellout and da-da-da, but then people are still trying to use him for <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Keith be real. He's the real heel here. Keith be Keith, heel.
1: Keith be. I was going to say it. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Cut all that. Keith be heel. Keith be real. More like Keith be heel. Keep all of that.
0: <laughs> and, uh, cool. I cool. They they reconciled, sort of.
1: I don't know. Do you think he, uh, did with his. did the thing with his plan? Did the plan with the thing?
0: I wonder if Keith be real ever came back. I wonder if he, he's like. Recurring character on Will Smith's we'll, uh,
1: we'll find out the next time we listen to Will Smith
0: Which will be, never <laughs> never. never So tell gets. us, what did, what, what did you think of Big Willie style?
1: It had some style Had some flair There were some big notes hit All in all, I think I would give it A sideways elbow <laughs> Gosh uh, You see, would you recommend This to people? Janelle, close your ears no, open them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I would absolutely not recommend <laughs> this record at all. Um, listen to the singles. Uh, just steer clear of everything else. This album is really, really stupid.
1: Oh man, like I,
0: we we picked out the like the the media songs. There's a lot of just songs about Philly? nothing. Nothing. Getting jiggy with it. It's good. It does. It's nothing. The song yeah. is about nothing.
1: I, I think that's the thing, right? Like for me as who I am and how I prefer my music as an as the adult I have become now at 32, uh, I need more lyrical <laughs> content. I need it. I need it. Um, though the songs are super catchy, you're going to bop to them regardless. You're going to dance with them. They're going to hit you with a groove. They do essentially say nothing. Uh, if you actually know all the words to Jiggy Within and not just the chorus and the hook, cool. Do you like those parts? If you do, um, that's cool, kid. That's what you like. But I think for me, I, it, a lot of the songs are like that. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a good hook. That's a good that's a good beat. That's that's it.
0: <laughs> I'm like, there are 13 songs in this album. We picked out the four with the most to say. And I'm like, the rest are just like nothing. That's, that's all I have to say. And I'm like... Do you do you like disco and, and and like R&B like standards from the 70s? Well, this this album samples a lot of them. Mm. Those are all good to listen to.
1: He grew up on those things.
0: Right, and that's all fine. So it's like do you want to hear like good songs samples for mediocre rap? This is the album for you.
1: I will not be commenting on that because I would like the kids to still like me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you know, I I don't recommend this at all. Yeah, I think I recommend the singles because of you know uh, historical value, and uh, that's about
1: it. Yeah, I think if you're a Will Smith fa- fan, I think that's the only that's the only thing. If you're if you're like getting into Will Smith, maybe not this stuff. Like, yeah, the singles absolutely whole album. <sighs> it's no. up to your discretion. Yeah, absolutely. Not.
0: <laughs> what do the world think? Big Willie Style was a commercial success, reaching number eight on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and staying on that chart for a total of 99 weeks. It had been certified nine times platinum by July 2000, and it peaked in the top ten in Austria, France, Norway, the Netherlands, Sweden, and the U.K. You did good. The album received mixed reviews from music critics, with particular praise going to the songs like Getting Jiggy With It, Men In Black, and Yes, Yes, Y'all, We didn't even talk about that one.
1: I didn't like that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, y'all. Ha (laughs) ha ha ha. On the positive side, all music praised Wilt Smith's, quote, trademark, friendly, humorous, pop rap style. That's true. He does have that. And Rolling Stone called the album, quote, wickedly well-conceived and an exceptional mega-celebrity album. On the negative side, New Musical Express said the album was, quote, explicitly awful with, quote, nary a redeeming feature on show. How rude. And Entertainment Weekly said the album is full of, quote, nonstop pop rap cliches and that, quote, the musical world suffered no great loss when Will Smith ditched rapping for acting.
1: Whoa. <laughs> the shade. <laughs> that's, that's, that's low. Excuse me? Who peed in your Cheerios? <laughs> that's so rude.
0: Yeah, that's rough. In bringing a consensus, Village Voice identified Getting Jiggy with It," "Just the Two of Us," and Miami as good songs on an album that isn't worth your time or money.
2: Do do
0: do 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 do. I was like, "That's." I feel like that's the per- that they said it better than I could.
2: Yikes!
0: There are some I mean, good songs on an album that isn't worth your time or money.
1: <laughs> oh. I mean, he he was already saying how he already got money, so he's
0: got the money. He don't need. He doesn't need. He doesn't need
1: yours. You can keep the money. <laughs>
0: Will Smith won an Emmy for Best Rap Solo Performance two years in a row for the singles Men in Black and Gettin' Jiggy With It. Okay. He won four MTV Video Music Awards between 1997 and 1999 for videos from this album, including Men in Black, Just the Two of Us, in Jiggy With It, and Miami.
1: I can understand two of those, but the other ones I feel like are just location shots. It's
0: Will Smith. I assume Miami is him sitting on some kind of boat.
1: Oh, wait. We're ba- was Bad Boys in Miami? I think so. It's probably a Bad Boys music video.
0: Probably is, and he won Favorite Soul R&B Male Artist, Favorite Pop Rock Album, Favorite Soul R&B Album at the American Music Awards.
1: Is this pop rock?
0: They they considered it that. And he won it. He won it. Wookie. Okay. I I can see I, I can see it as pop, not rock. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's where that's where it's loosened me.
0: And lastly, Big Willie style earned. Will Smith, three NAACP Image Awards, and a Kids' Choice Award. hey Those kids, they love Will Smith.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: And uh, I think this might be the last time we discuss Mr. Will Smith on Media Made.
1: Yeah. But- I, I, don't,
0: I don't think he's in on any of our movies or TV shows moving forward. We're definitely not going to listen to his music again. Mm-mm. So with that, I have the legacy of not only Big Willie style, but Will Smith the man as well.
1: Don't make it sound like he died.
0: (laughs) In 2000, VH1 named Getting Jiggy With It at number 100 on their list of 100 Greatest Dance Songs. So, cool. We have to start somewhere. Or end somewhere. And where did Will Smith go from here? Everywhere. Ah!
1: (laughs) Did he go from Bangkok to Madagascar?
0: I assume so. Musically, he has released three more solo albums. 1999's Willennium, 2002's Born to Rain, and 2005's Lost and Found. From those releases, he's earned two more American Music Awards and four World Music Awards. What's that? His movie career? He is the only actor to have started eight consecutive films, which grossed over $100 million in the U.S. box office, 11 consecutive films that grossed over $150 million internationally, and eight consecutive films, which opened at the number one spot in the U.S. box office.
1: What are those movies?
0: Everything from probably 96 to... 2000 something
1: okay i mean yeah, yeah
0: he, he was mr fourth of july because he always had a top like number one movie at, on fourth of july for like eight years in a row
1: okay yeah i didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm. all right
0: everything from bad boys to whatever you know
1: whatever his last one was
0: yeah like he he was huge for 10 years for a decade it was his own millennium
1: good job Will.
0: As of 2014, 17 of the 21 films in which he had a leading role have accumulated worldwide gross earnings of over $100 million each, with five taking in over $500 million each in the global box office. As of 2016, his films have grossed $7.5 billion at the global box office. In 2013, Forbes named him the most bankable star in the
1: world. Can I just say, I find it really ironic that we were just talking about how in his song, he's talking about how much money he's been able to make. And this is just us saying, he makes a lot of money.
0: In April 2007, Newsweek called him the most powerful actor in Hollywood. Hmm. He's bigger as an actor than he has ever been as a... Rapper. 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 His acting work has earned him four MTV Movie Awards, five Teen Choice Awards, six Kids Choice Awards, one Saturn Award, one more NAACP Image Award, and one Hollywood Film Award. He has also been nominated for two Academy Awards for the films Ali and The Pursuit of Happiness. We'll see if he gets nominated for uh, King Richard here pretty soon.
1: Right. He was doing that.
0: And that is Will Smith. Ah. Oh. That is Big Willie style.
1: Ah. Oh. Good that's, job, That's Louis. almost
0: the end of our show.
1: I know. We just got one more thing to do.
0: We got a few more things to do. Just one. Because uh, as we say, uh, one cannot judge a music album on its music alone, but also its album arts work.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing.
0: So I have here the album arts for Dream Theater's Falling Into Infinity and Big Willie Style by Will Smith. Uh, So Jess has got um, Falling Into Infinity there. Can you describe that for us?
1: Um, It is two people. Sitting on raised platforms in the sea, with binoculars in hand, staring at each other, while we are staring at them through binoculars.
0: Yes, uh, this cover art was designed by Storm Thurguson, best known for his work with Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Fish, Black Sabbath, UFO, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, and yes, so he is the progressive rock guru who like developed like iconic progressive rock. Album arts. So. so
1: they got that guru and Desmond Child on this album. I'm just
0: saying, they got the, they, they, as far as album art goes, they got the man. They got the the guy who makes iconic album artwork.
1: Did he do another artwork for them for an album they actually liked that they created? I don't know.
0: But yeah, this him. album is like interesting. This artwork is, oh yeah, it's I like, interesting. I
1: like it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's totally cool. fine. Yeah, it's cool. I don't, I, I don't feel like it.
0: It doesn't fit the falling into infinity name. In yeah, way.
1: I do see, like, the the glasses, um, like, we're looking at them through binoculars, and I say that only because there's, like, rings around where we would look at them, but they cross over in uh, an infinity sign. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, you I I, I, I had no idea. I wouldn't have noticed oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, like, I see that. It's just... Yeah. Maybe if, maybe if they were tipping over it on their things, they're falling into it. But they, I like it. It's, um, I'd like, this is a poster I'd put on, on, uh,
0: yeah, it, it does pass. pass the poster test. Yeah. And, uh, if you scroll over, you'll see Big Willie stuff.
1: Uh, very similar color structure.
0: That's true. Blues. A
1: lot of yeah, blues. A lot is, of blues in 97. Yeah. Uh, you guys have already seen the cover art for this, um, either on your podcasting of choice or on Instagram, and it's a very cool duo. <laughs> um, Will Smith's Big Willie style is Will Smith standing on maybe a rock?
0: Maybe a rock? I, I I thought maybe on the top of a building or something. It looks like a rock, but yes, he's on top of the world.
1: With the sun behind him, it almost feels like a Michael Jackson pose. It
0: does look like a Jackson pose, yeah.
1: Um, and he's just uh standing... W- with one hand in the air and one finger in the air and it says Will Smith and then on the bottom, Big Willie style.
0: He looks cool, I guess. He's on Dream top Theater
1: of- has the better album art
0: I do me. agree with that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Will Smith, he does. he's, he's certainly uh, looks cool. But yeah, I agree. Dream Theater uh, wins the album art of the year award or whatever. <laughs> uh, album is- <laughs> art of the month. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 1997 album art goes to Dream Theater. Yeah. What's next?
1: Um, I guess if you want, we can uh, turn off the mics and go to bed.
0: No, it's the Runners Up now,
1: right? no, I don't think so. It's Runners Up. I already did that. No, you didn't. <laughs> runners Up. So this is a very, very short list. Uh, You only had one, Runners Up, and it was Jordan Rudis, Secrets of the Muse.
0: Oh, Jordan Rudis of, of uh, the guy who... L- Turned down the, the yep. dream theater.
1: Yep. Uh, to, 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 to work part time and make this album.
0: Yeah. So there you go. He, he was working part time with the Dixie Dregs and he was releasing a solo album. Yep. This album, I believe, is just very piano based. It's like straight classical piano. So ah. uh, it's it's quite a pretty album. It's very mood setting.
1: For me, I only have two runners up. One, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet's Back. Ah, the, the, the sequel. Yes. They're back. They are back. We would have listened to all the same songs (laughs) had that been my album. Well, no, no, that's the international uh,
0: sequel, Backstreet's Back, because the U.S. got Backstreet Boys
1: 97. Oh, right, 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 right. So, yeah.
0: Oh, my God, they're back again.
1: Oh, my gosh, they're back again. Am I sexual? No. (laughs) (laughs) And my... (sighs) Um, other runner-up. My only other runner-up is Usher. My way.
0: My uh, Usher is one of those uh, pop culture blind spots for me. Yep. People love Usher. Mm-hmm. I know this. I, I, I've met I've met many ladies who were just obsessed with Usher.
1: Much like my cousin was obsessed with Will Smith, or much like many other women are obsessed with Denzel. You know, black men. <laughs>
0: Usher does have a lot of style. I'll give him that. Uh, I've seen his music videos. He's got a lot of style.
1: Yeah. Oh, Um. but yeah, those are runners up. There you go. Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy this? I did. Did you enjoy it so much that my album won?
0: No. Oh, we didn't decide that. Oh, man. No. Will Smith loses. No, no way. No. <laughs> Excuse me. No, no. Dream Excuse? Theater's. As much of a doubt. <laughs> Unclench your eyebrows when you speak to me, sir. As much of a downer Dream Theater was, and the fact that it's not the strongest oh, such album. Such a downer. That does not. It's.
1: They still. They still won by
0: a landslide.
1: Here's the thing, Will Smith had some really good advice on love and child rearing, and on how to be a bully. <laughs> Listen here, hold In on. In black.
0: We, you were dreading even doing this episode because you're like, I don't want to
1: talk about Will Smith. I don't remember that. I think you're pushing that on me, sir. You can't sit here. Look at me sitting here. <laughs> look at me. Look how, look how I sit here regally like.
0: No, it's Dream Theater.
1: Excuse you. Can you just say it's Dream Theater and we'll go to sleep? <laughs> Fine. You can have it. But I'm taking the next two TVs and the movie. We'll see. Hmm. Is she calling
0: it? I don't know. Uh, but that's that of let's. We're gonna close out with plugs and just gonna go sleep. So uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter or on Instagram, you can follow us. uh you can find us at Medium Show. That's at Medium Show on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can help us out by spreading the word of Medium Tell your friends. Uh, help. Uh, give us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars. That helps with visibility, and just keep listening. We appreciate you. Uh, As for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at RodTheMaster. I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net where we talk about the Legend of Zelda video game series. So if you like Zelda, check me out there. And I host a YouTube show about professional wrestling called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. So if you like wrestling, uh, you can check that out too. What about you? If you would like to see me, I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube
1: but there's nothing on it so I'm not gonna plug it it's called
0: Teaming Tales on YouTube
1: why do you do that when I say to wadu? Uh, so that's the end of the show
0: uh, we're gonna close out with getting jiggy with it and uh, we're gonna get jiggy with it like Banjo and Kazooie we're gonna get jiggy with it <laughs> do you have any you wanna say goodbye to the kids
1: okay kids have a good nap and remember if somebody wakes you up from the nap don't let them win the next fight that you have and make sure they wash the dishes before they go to sleep or else in the morning you're going to put all the dishes on their bed And remember a man is dignified.
0: We'll uh, we'll see y'all next time with our TV shows of
4: 1997. Bye. it.